I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of June 2022, and it is once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Tales from the Shelf episode. Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? Trevor, it is going great. Um, honored to be here. I feel like it's been a while since we've recorded together, so it's not only catching up on cinema, but you know, before we recorded, a little bit of catching up on you, a little bit of catching up on Trevor. So it's it's good to talk to you again. Good to be here. Yeah, for real, bud. It's been a while. Like I don't know if it actually has been, but it really does feel like it. So it was nice to just you know sit back for a bit and shoot the breeze. You know, catch up on each other's lives and whatnot. We both got some real life shit going on, uh, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk <laughs> about tales from the shelf, the important stuff, <laughs> the real shit. Yeah, <laughs> like look at all this crap. We gotta talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> Trevor, I'm not here to talk about your life, all right? I'm here to talk about movies. Let's get it let's get on with it, all right? I mean, like the like the my cousin Vinny drop uh, goes. Yeah, everything that guy just says bullshit. <laughs> all that business about talking about actual real life going ons and and like real life developments, that don't count for shit. <laughs> we're here to talk about DVDs, Blu-rays and 4Ks. That's what we're talking about. We're talking movies and shit. Uh, so, folks at home, if you're not aware of what a Tales from the Shelf uh, episode entails, uh, essentially what we do here from month to month is, uh, you may have noticed, uh, both Brad and I, we both have pretty extensive physical media collections, so DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4Ks and whatnot. Uh, so every month we get together to talk about, uh, based on a, like a very core theme from month to month, we talk about some stuff from our collections. Uh, so we've been away from it for a good long while. Uh, but this month we're coming back to the alphabet. Um, so we've committed to going through our collections letter by letter. Um, usually we have like a, a theme like movies with cool cover art or movies with like spectacular action sequences or things like that. This month we're just talking about letters. <laughs> <laughs> movies that begin with a specific letter. Uh, so we already did the A's. We did all the A's. Not technically, but we did all the A's. Uh, then we moved on to a basket of B's, and now we're at a cluster of C's. A cluster <laughs> fuck of C's. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's, that's good, too. That's good, too. <laughs> so, yeah, today we're, we're here to talk about uh, movies that begin with the letter C uh, from our collection. So we don't really have anything other than that uh, to serve as a prompt for our selections. Uh, so as is customary, I will do my hosting duty of tossing Brad promptly under the bus. Uh, and ask him uh, to sh to share the first C uh, pick from his collection. Yeah, well, let's go with, uh, um, you know, the C is an interesting letter. You got so many sounds you can make with the letter C. You can have a, it can have a K sound. Uh, you can have some Cs, you can have a S sound. Put a CH, you can have a CH sound. And we're going, we're leading off with the CH sound. CH title. We're talking, although I guess this, hopefully, I'm not messing up on this. I'm talking Stephen King's Children of the Corn. Now, I do believe the title is Children of the Corn, not Stephen King's Children. It says Stephen King's Children of the Corn there, but I don't think that's the official title. Uh, if it is, then I had this uh, organized incorrectly. 
because I did have it under C, so we're going with it. I think it's just Children of the Corn. That's how it is on the spine. It is listed on the IMDb as Children of the Corn. Okay. And of course, Trevor, we know the rule, the classic, the go-to rule, if it's on the spine, that's where it goes in line. So (laughs) Stephen King's Children of the Corn is not listed on the spine. So even if the official title is Stephen King's Children of the Corn, I'm putting it under C. That's the that's the classic go-to rule. Um, this movie, uh, I have the Arrow Blu-ray here. This Blu-ray was a pain in my ass, I tell you that much. I bought it in one of Arrow's sales. I think it was the first, co- I mean, it wasn't a COVID sale, but it was the first Easter sale they had during the pandemic, I believe. Or no, maybe it was, maybe it was 2021. It might have been, actually, it might have been last year. It might have been last year. So take back that first thing I said. But it, they were having supply chain issues. And, of course, we all know that Arrow is known for their unique cases. You know, they've got the the, the clear, uh, I don't even know how you would describe them. But if you if you see, if you're holding the case, so you can if you're watching the video here, you can see that it is not like a regular Blu-ray case. And when I ordered this, I was offended to receive it in the mail. And it was uh, just in a... It wasn't a normal Blu-ray case, but it was in a blue case. And I, I went on Blu-ray.com, went in the forums, because I was after I had vomited in the toilet after seeing that, I went on Blu-ray.com. And you made it to the toilet? I, I barely made it to the toilet. <laughs> I vomed everywhere. Um, went on the forums and found out that, yeah, people are getting uh, blue cases instead of the, the classic Arrow clear cases because uh, Arrow was having supply chain issues. And I said, well, that's just that's just not going to do for me. I'm not putting this monstrosity on my shelf. Yeah, that's a that's a big <laughs> fuck you. I mean, I spent money with them. Like, come on. I mean, you you it, it's like false advertising here. So I was lucky enough to find. I think I ordered three movies in the sale, and this was the only one that came in the the, the blue case. I was lucky enough to find one single seller on eBay. Of the classic clear cases. I'm sure now you can probably go and they, they probably sell them. Because you used to be able to go just on like Arrow's website and buy the clear cases. But because of supply chain issues or whatever, you couldn't buy them directly through any seller. So I had to buy a secondhand case. And luckily I, I got it. I, I don't want to say what I spent on it. But I, I it was the only way I could sleep at night. I could not sleep at night knowing that this had a blue case on it. So thankfully it has been remedied. Every Arrow film I've bought since has not had a blue case. I think we're past that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the movie's all right. But that's that's basically <laughs> what I want to say. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, the movie is actually pretty average. It's not great. Um, it's it's a movie that I kind of – I've got a soft spot for because I did watch it at somewhat of a young age. Um, but watching it now, it's not terribly well made. I like uh, some of the ideas conceptually. And I, I am a big Stephen King fan, so it's like even an average film of his is one that I will probably come back and revisit every so often. Um, and it does have some moments that stand out to me, uh, particularly with the, the two main kids, Malachi and don't remember the other one. But uh, uh, Isaac, I think Isaac, is yes. The... I, I was going to say Eli, but I think you're right, Isaac. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's I've never seen any of the sequels. I don't think, and I would be curious to, and uh, after watching this, like, uh, uh, maybe six months ago or whatever, I saw that uh, at Target they were selling, uh, like, a six-pack of 
or maybe it was all in one disc, I don't know, in horrible quality, but you could get like the collection in DVD form. Um, and so I, I would be curious to go revisit those. Another reason why this movie is a nightmare for me is because pretty much immediately after I purchased this Blu-ray, they announced it for 4K. So that was a big, another fuck you to me. Um, but to be fair, it's not like that great of a looking movie. Like it doesn't look that great. So of course I would have rather had it on 4k, but I'm not crying about it. So, um, but yeah, children of the corn, uh, just, you know, you gotta have it. You gotta have it. <laughs> I mean, you have it, right? Cause you gotta have it. I'm sorry, Brad. I, I, <laughs> I don't gotta have it. I don't <laughs> gots to have Children of the Corn. Although, I, I will say this much. like I, I do have a little bit of a weakness for those those direct-to-video like horror franchises. Yeah. For whatever reason, like the more sequels it, it ticks up, the more interested I become. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's not objectively good. Like I know the production quality likely isn't up to, you know, the same standards as most theatrical releases and whatnot. But something about just the the franchise's insistence on persisting is is there's some some sort of magic that goes into that that it's it draws me in like i mean i i say this like virtually every episode like i'm the guy who has blood sport one through four not just blood sport because because of things like that and yeah i've been eyeing a dvd of of uh, all the best of the best films as well of which there are four not yeah. just one <laughs> i mean it, it makes you wonder like who's watching these because i i betcha if you gave me five hundred dollars and said don't use the internet go out in person in public find one person that can prove they've watched a children of the corn sequel and you have a week to do it i don't think i could do it i don't think i could do it i don't think i've met anybody who's watched a single one of these uh sequels see i have some cheat codes available to me so I I don't I don't know much about the community you live in, but in Seattle we we have Scarecrow Video, mm. and Kyle is very quick to point out that like every time he goes there and is forced to ask if they have something, he feels like the biggest fucking stooge <laughs> because like every employee that works there has seen like every movie under the sun so anytime he has to like ask for their assistance to track down some shitty 80s horror movie that we're talking about on the show that Mm -hmm. week or whatever they they give him the sarcastic eye roll and they're like of course we have five copies yeah (laughs) it's like i saw that ages ago that is such old hat (laughs) it's like come back when you have some obscure like banned ass censored French horror film yeah. or something <laughs> like maybe then we can get into some territory where it may be piquing my interest as, as a connoisseur of film who works at Scarecrow video, but they're all great people, by the way, I'm just pointing out that their palette is obscene. Like they're, they're very well versed in the world of film and in particular horror seems to be kind of their jam. They, they very strongly push the horror titles like front and center in their advertising in the store. So I'm pretty sure there's some enthusiasm for that genre. So if I was to go in that neighborhood and ask if a y'all have seen a, a children of the corn sequel, I'm sure I would get many yeses. Um, but no, like in, in my actual social circle, no, absolutely not. Although I will point out that those movies, like I've, I've seen it joke that they're they at one point were starting to get up into like Land Before Time sequel numbers or something in terms of the mm-hmm. number of sequels generated for that franchise. That I don't think 
anybody's all that over the moon about to begin with but for some reason the the stephen king name or something is is all you need uh to keep the thing going um and from a writing standpoint i'm pretty sure it's probably not too complicated to slap something together that like even if you hadn't even seen the first film or read the the story or whatever it's just like yeah some kids and some corn right yeah (laughs) make it figure it out (laughs) it's all in the title yeah, throw some nudity in there and some kids with sickles. There we go. We yep. got a movie. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I will say the uh, I think the first two sequels did get a release from Arrow in the UK. So over in the UK, they're they're all corn heads over there. They don't have as much corn over there as we do, so it's it's more exotic to them. So they're real <laughs> corn heads. Maze, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> it's called maze. 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 <laughs> Um, but I actually haven't checked in a long time, like how many sequels uh, Children of the Corn is up to these days. But I do know it was as has long been kind of a running gag as to as to how many they got up to. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, the first one, I don't think it's anything to write home about. I mean, there is some novelty in the fact that I think Linda Hamilton's in there, right? Yep, she is. Yeah, like I think around the time she was doing Terminator and uh, was it the Beauty and the Beast TV show or whatever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it, there's, there's some novelty with seeing a young Lyndall Hamilton. Uh, the the fellow that plays Isaac really does swing for the fences. He gives a very memorable performance for sure. But uh, the production quality, I don't remember it being outstanding. Like, it's a pretty drab movie to look at for the most part. And there's some, like, kind of embarrassing what appears to be almost like rotoscope animation of some sort for the, quote, demon at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. It looks like something out of a Peanuts cartoon, honestly. <laughs> like, and, so, yeah. and it's like reserved for the finale of the movie. So it's like you, as a kid or whatever, when you're first seeing the movie, that's what you're waiting the whole thing to see. <laughs> and then it ends up just looking like that, like a, a fart cloud with a, an angry face on it. <laughs> it's a big wet noodle. Yeah, it, yeah, it's very much a wet noodle. It just it just drops. Like It's like, oh, that sucked. But... Yeah, uh, I don't have a whole lot of Arrow uh, titles, although I'm starting to amass a a small collection because they have been starting to put out things that it's like, shut up and take my money kind of things. Like like RoboCop on 4K was just like, yeah, I want that big box because I know this movie means quite a bit to me and many, many other people, and I wouldn't mind having that. And uh, same with American Werewolf in London. Uh, That movie means a lot to me as well, so I picked that one up. Very jealous of uh, Michelle from uh, Movies for Life. Uh, uh, the folks that we talked to uh, a few months ago, uh, that, that Tremors 4K box, I passed on it at the time because I already had the subpar Universal Blu-ray of it. But man, when she when she cracked that thing open and showed off all the goodies inside, I was just like, fuck. <laughs> I, I missed the boat on that yeah, one. Fuck. <laughs> that's why I never question anything. Just buy, 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 because you'll regret it later. Brad, you will be very proud of me. Um, I had a uh, like an an off sized uh, Blu-ray case on my shelf that I don't think I don't think you would have made it to the toilet on that one. I think you would have barfed on the case yeah, as soon as yikes. as soon as you unwrapped the mailer or whatever. You just went, went like <laughs> on your lap and on the floor, on the ceiling, everywhere. I don't think you would have made it to the toilet because like imagine a, like a hazy blue plastic case, but it's about like an inch taller than a standard blu-ray case so it's more like a dvd yeah i already don't feel good yeah and like the 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 art was was official 
but you know it's just kind of like floating in the case because it doesn't measure properly i finally replaced that it's not even for an extraordinary film or anything it was just a a secondhand copy of run all night that i picked up Mm. a long time ago Mm -hmm. and the asshole who sold it to me didn't like it was through like uh amazon or ebay or something they didn't disclose that it was in a goofy fucking case um so i had that on my shelf for years and i finally replaced it yeah so it's like now i look at my shelf and i'm like it it belongs now. that's that's a good <laughs> call good that's a good call it's like when family video went out of business there was lots of movies they had great deals on but they were in like the wrong size cases and it's just like can't do it can't do it i did buy one movie in the non-standard but the uh family video rental case but that was purely for nostalgia and novelty and you know sadness purposes that was not a, an actual um you know, normally that would be gross, but it, you know, it was, it was so, it looks so off that it's not even like a question that it, like, of course it's not an actual Blu-ray case. It's not, it's not trying to hide it. Yeah. It's for the novelty factor. And in some ways it's almost like, like taking a brick from like a beloved, like institutional, like building of some sort. Yeah. Like, taking that home with you where it's like, it's a piece of history. It's like, remember kids, <laughs> remember the fallen family video. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. That's the only reason I bought it. Cause like, you know, a lot of the other ones came in actual Blu-ray cases with artwork. This one, I was just like, fuck, I just want one of their cases. So I just bought the movie. I was just like, fuck it. Yeah. No, I, I could have seen myself doing the same thing if mm-hmm. I was there. Um, but just for funsies, and this is totally putting you on the spot, so this is totally unfair. But the way I ended up replacing that case was I, I'm, I've been uh, like kind of trading in and kind of upgrading a lot of my collection. So basically, taking my DVDs and getting Blu-rays of things that I want to keep, and just disposing of old DVDs that I just don't see a reason to keep hold of anymore. Mm-hmm. But in that process, I've I've gotten in good with some people, like with small businesses and whatnot, and. Um, they let me take a, a, a bargain bin movie, a bargain bin Blu-ray, and just, like, take it. Um, mm-hmm. So imagine a $2 Blu-ray, but for free. Now, Brad, if you were half, if you had to guess which movie from the bargain bin I would grab, what do you think it would have been? Like, not, it, and it has nothing to do with, like, my personal preferences as to what the movie would be, although maybe just a little bit. It's just try to imagine what would end up in that pile. In the bargain? When, when was this? Uh, three, four months ago. Three, four months ago. Boy, let's go with um, Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> they, they do have those. <laughs> they do have those. Um, if I was about to say, if it was the DVD era, my guess would have been The Punisher or Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was not Paul Blart Mall Cop. Uh, if they had, here comes the boom. I may have just taken oh, that yeah. home. That's another one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Zookeeper, or one of those yeah. other Kevin James movies, uh, or Paul Blart Mall Cop. Wait, two or are they up to three now? They they did two. They only did two. Okay, they only it stopped it at two. Okay. I don't have actually. No, I do have a guess. Okay, Hitman's Bodyguard. Oh, see, that's probably a little bit too recent. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen either of those movies, um, so I probably would have been tempted to just watch that. But I was looking for something that I could just throw away and not feel bad about. It was Shooter. It was, Shoot. Oh, it was the Mark. The, Mark, Mark, the yeah. Marky Mark headlined Shooter. Yeah. 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 I mean, not to keep going on about this, but another, <laughs> another little strategy you can do if you're ever in a situation... 
um, like mine, with specifically with the Arrow one, yeah, is if you can't get your hands on a clear case and you have a blue case and the dimensions are all the same, but it's just the color that is wrong. What you could do, and I didn't do this, but what you could do if this is a last resort, take an Arrow Blu-ray that has a clear case but that you own with a slipcover, take the clear case from that one, put it on Children of the Corn, which does not have a slipcover, then you put the the blue one with the movie with the slipcover, then you put the slipcover over the blue one so that way you don't actually see the blue one. So it looks fine on the shelf. You'll know it's there, but visually it'll look fine. Well, I mean, if if all you need to do temporarily is to keep from puking on the floor or in your lap or on your girlfriend, then yes, that is yeah. a temporary solution. It's um, it's last resort. It's yeah, it's that, the that, Papa Roach approach. Gap. It's yeah. the last resort. <laughs> oh fuck, fuck, Brad! <laughs> Coming hard with the references. Yeah, to the youth. Twenty-year-old <laughs> <laughs> song references to the youth. <laughs> I still have a fucking friend from high school who will shout the lyrics from that one at me. Yeah. It's like, shut the fuck up. It's like, there should be a law in this state that people can come beat your ass if you start doing that in public. Ah, uh, okay. So I guess the pick is to me. And oh, yeah, by the way, folks, uh, if if you don't have the visual component, uh, arrow cases, uh, to use the most overused word on the internet, are especially thick. Um, as compared to your standard Blu-ray case. Uh, there's some measure of prestige that comes with that. I can't exactly put my finger on why that is, but just like it has like a more boxy quality to it that just gives it a little bit more heft and makes it seem more premium, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, that's a very handsome case that you assembled piecemeal there, Brad. Good job. Got to do it. Yeah, only option. Okay, so... Um, <clears throat> You started with crap. Uh, although Children of the Corn is not crap. It's just kind of... It's bleh. It's almost it's, worse it's, than crap. Yeah, actually. It's a little bit gray. <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's 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 just not memorable for the most... Aside from those two characters, Malachi and Isaac. Um, and in general, it's not... I don't think it's like one of the better Stephen King adaptations out there, of which there are many very, very good ones. Uh, so um, I will take us straight into crap territory and also i will do double duty by cheating uh, as is customary for me on the show uh by sharing uh three titles simultaneously uh so here we go i have three uh titles from the catalog of one scott Atkins, uh who of wow. course i own most of uh approaching all of his filmography i'm working on it. it's a work in progress uh but we have here um Criminal, uh, which he's not on the cover. Don't look for him. He's not there. Um, I have Close Range from Turbo Accelerator Media. <laughs> That's how you know it's quality. Uh, and Castle Falls, which is directed by Dolph Lundgren. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. Yeah, uh, the two of them have worked together on several projects before, uh, usually like cast opposite one another. Uh, they've, they've thrown hands at each other in numerous films. I think they probably, if I had to guess, they probably met on the set of Expendables 2, um, although they didn't really do anything. They just mean mugged each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Scott Atkins got killed by Jason Statham at the end. That, that was kind of it. But yeah, they've been in many movies together. Uh, Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning, uh, which is it's a strong recommend from me 
uh, has a pretty decent throwdown between the two of them. But anyway, uh, these are all C films, and they're all, of course, uh, containing Scott Adkins. However, as noted um, on this cover art for Criminal, uh, his importance to the plot varies from film to film. So Criminal, this is uh, probably the worst C film I own, and that's saying quite a lot. Um, and one of the worst Scott Atkins films I own because this movie is total fucking garbage. <laughs> Despite the menagerie of sexy faces on the cover, consisting of a weathered Gary Oldman and even more weathered Tommy Lee Jones, a haggard Kevin Costner, oh yeah, and Gal Gadot. Um, she's barely in the fucking movie. <laughs> um, That's Gal, movie- Gal Gadot on the right. That is. And uh, apparently Alice Eve is in here too. Thought but it was I don't... Toby Maguire from where I'm sitting. Okay, now I see it. All right. Yeah, just, I mean, actually, if you if you were to Photoshop like around the eyes a little bit, like, you you could spin that. Like, yeah. You, you you wouldn't have to do too much to get there, but yeah, this movie is really not good. Um, this was a bargain bin uh, purchased from the same place that I mentioned earlier, uh, Al's on the Ave. Um, and I only picked it up because I was aware that Scott Adkins has a role in this. And literally all he does is wear a suit and serve as like a crutch for Gary Oldman. Like he just stands near Gary Oldman throughout the whole movie. <laughs> so, so it's like he he holds a gun. I don't think he ever discharges the firearm. Uh, he never hits anybody. He has a few lines of dialogue, but he's just there. And it's the worst fucking tease. Like... It's really sad when the best part of this movie is Kevin Costner being rude to a barista. Like, <laughs> that actually was amusing. I will, I will say that much. That scene actually was legitimately kind of amusing. Oh, yeah, this is also a secret Ryan Reynolds film, by the way. Um, he's in the, the early goings of it. Um, but, yeah, it, it's one of the worst Scott Adkins movies I own um, and probably one of the worst C-titled films that I own. Um, but, uh, close range, uh, between all three of these is probably the most like overall enjoyable experience. This is an Isaac Florentine directed action film, um, a little bit later, uh, in his relationship with Scott Adkins. So Isaac Florentine is mostly notable for being basically the theatrical film director that kind of gave Scott Adkins his, his big push. Um, there was a film called special forces wherein he has like a big showcase scene dedicated to him. That um, was in the early 2000s, and then a few years down the road, Undisputed 2 would come out where he would play the chief antagonist, also directed by Florentine. So this was kind of a reunion of sorts uh, between two guys who did a lot of good business for each other. Um, this is a fun one. It's kind of like a, a siege movie. Uh, Nick Chinland is in here. I don't know if you know who that is off the top of your head, but he played a lot of... Uh, scummy bad guys in like 90s action films uh he's the guy he's the put the bunny back in the box guy uh from con air okay uh and he also has a small role in lethal weapon 3 if if memory serves but he's just like a smarmy bad guy who did a lot of bad guy roles in the 90s but he's in here um there's some excellent martial arts choreography in here including a a very impressive uh one-shot sequence which was the style at the time uh towards the beginning of the film it's very, very, very low budget, but uh, there's there's a lot of fun to be had uh, from Turbo Accelerator Media. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, and the last one is Castle Falls, which, as I said, is directed by Dolph. Um, and this movie was interesting to watch because it, it's not very good. 
Um, but it's it's of like a a production level that for me, like for me personally, and this is not a universal thing. I don't think everybody could get enjoyment out of this uh, the way I do. But it's at that fascinating level where it's like it's decent, but it has some egregious flaws in the production that are readily apparent upon casual observation. So it actually makes it almost more endearing because like you can see that it's like, yeah, everybody here is getting paid. Everybody here is a working professional. It's just not all that amazing at what they do. <laughs> so it's, it's charming. Like I actually got some enjoyment out of this, even though it's incredibly low budget and has plenty of sore spots in the production of it. Um, the big advertising element for the film was of course, promising that these two guys would punch each other. Uh, that's not a terribly impressive sequence. No, no single sequence in this film is terribly impressive. In fact, Scott Adkins, I hate to be mean to the guy, but it does look like this was like an off-season Scott Adkins, where it's like he he just like he had to add a new wing to his house or something, <laughs> and he's like yeah in shape, but he's probably he's probably like like working off of an injury or something because that is very common for these these stunt player types to do like to constantly be like injured or hampered in some way so i I wouldn't be surprised if he was just like halfway there in terms of being in shape and then dolph called him he was like yeah sure i'll show up (laughs) it's like it's like are you in shape it's like mostly (laughs) it's like well we gotta go scott it's like Okay, I'll I'll go to Georgia or wherever the fuck we filmed this because I'm pretty sure it was Georgia where everything's filmed these days. But yeah, that was a trio of uh, Scott Adkins films. Stay the fuck away from Criminal. Uh, it sucks. Yeah, I, I remember when that came out here and pretty bad things about it. Kind of crazy that they got, I mean, what's the deal? What's going on with that? How did they get so many big names in it? Uh, What studio? They have dirt so on is- these people? May have been. So this is a Lionsgate film. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I mean that maybe maybe it's like somebody's agent or some somehow tied in with Warner Brothers or something. Because you got yeah. like just in terms of like DC Comics films, you got fucking Wonder Woman. You got you got Superman's dad. <laughs> and you got Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. You got yeah. Two Two Face from decades ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> Interesting so may- theory. Maybe it's like a maybe it's like a Warner Brothers or an agent thing where they all have the same person representing yeah. them. Yeah. Maybe, but it's a lot of talent for a shitty fucking film. Yeah, I mean, definitely it does seem like uh, some something's going on behind the scenes there. Also, uh, I don't know which if it's Kevin Costner or who the the character is here, but. Um, Based on the synopsis, I think the main character's name of the movie is Bill Pope. I think that's right. That sounds right. Which, uh, is this a direct reference to the uh, cinematographer of the Matrix films? Is Bill Pope named after the Bill Pope? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't think so. I, I wouldn't expect there was that much thought put into any aspect of the production of this film. Um like I said, no joke. The the highlight of the whole thing is is Kevin Costner, America America's sweetheart Kevin Costner being rude to a priest. I'd watch <laughs> and this that. Mo- this is an action film. This is a spy movie. It does have people getting hit in the head with like fire axes and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But the most entertaining thing is Kevin Costner being mean to a Starbucks employee. 
Which I'm sure never happens in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's play a little game here. What do you think... Do you, well, yeah. I mean, what what do you think, or maybe you know, you rated this movie on Letterboxd, Criminal. What do you think you gave it on Letterboxd? Let's see how your Letterboxd recall is. Oh, it's fucking terrible. So, um, I'm probably gonna get this totally wrong. Uh, remember the Scott Adkins factor, like that that can lead to bumpage, mm-hmm. uh, like unexpected bumpage. So, it should not get two stars. But I'm overly kind uh, when doling out star reviews. I know this about myself. Like, like I, I if I should not have kids because I will spoil the fuck out of them. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not good at being mean to films on the internet, let alone in the safety of my own home. So I'm gonna guess one and a half. You gave this thing a three point five. I um, did. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. One point five. One point five. Nice job. Wow. I didn't cheat too. And like let's. I, was uh, dir- I almost. I almost said two. I almost said two. I know you were. You were leaning that way for a second. Let's try. Yeah. I checked. You didn't uh, log. The I didn't other... log it correctly because we hadn't had that talk yet, Brad. Give That's me a true. break. You are aware of this. I'm. I'm better now. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it correct now. Brad you're, had you're an intervention with me a while back. He taught me how to use the letterbox. I am an old man. I was confused. Now I see you rating everything. It's just, it's great. It's great. I can keep track of what you're doing, what you're watching. I can keep tabs on you. It's um, just one. The, just add it to the list of things that cause Brad to puke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, you got to use letterbox. Now that Trevor's logging correctly, we don't have to worry about Brad puking in his sleep. I mean, at least you're not logging television. I mean, that's. At I least, would never. Yeah, I would never. Yeah, fuck that. It that's, happens. It happens. No, that would make me puke in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, uh, Scott Adkins, I need to, I need to watch some of his stuff because I know you're always telling me about his films and I still haven't really dipped my toes into anything where he's at least starring in it. So, well, if you need a recommendation, you know who to call. Yeah. Um, and be sure to let me know what flavor of film you're looking for. Cause he does, he doesn't have that varied a filmography, <laughs> like believe it or not. Um, but you know, there, there's different levels of like production quality. That's, yeah. that's the main thing is mm-hmm. like, if you, if you feel you can't stomach some of the stuff that I watch readily, um, then I can tell you which ones to look out for and just yeah. like avoid altogether. But yeah, if you ever are in the mood, uh, be sure to give me a ring. Absolutely. <laughs> you, if I'm going to watch Scott Adkins movie, you will be hearing from me. Don't you worry. Okay. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. But um, anyway, that's enough about uh, Scott, Scott Adkins. Uh, how about you, Brad? What is your next uh, C pick? Oh, let's go with this one here. Why not? I don't know if I've talked about this before, but it's a film that I would say, I don't know if I would say it's one of my favorites, but it certainly is up there, at least in terms of comedies for me. And it's a film I watched a lot growing up, and that is the comedy classic The Cable Guy, starring Jim Carrey. Um, and I don't know what the like uh, general consensus is on this film nowadays, but I think uh, back in the day, which was surprising to me because I've loved this film ever since I first saw it, and maybe it's because I was... Anything Jim Carrey as a kid was just amazing. Maybe that's it, but I think... Uh, the general consensus when this film originally came out is that it was a bit of a misstep for Mr. Carey. And I uh, have to say, I, I thoroughly disagree. I think 
in terms of the stuff he was doing in that era, it's probably his most interesting film from that, you know. I Like, I love Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is an all-timer for me. I could watch that movie over and over and over and over again. Um, but, like, this is, you know, it's darker. I think it's way more interesting what it's trying to do. Certainly is better directed. I actually quite like Ben Stiller as a director. Um, and I, I didn't even kind of realize that until maybe when he did Tropic Thunder. I was like, oh, wow, he directed Cable Guy, Zoolander. Like, he's, as terms of a comedic director, he's he's good. Um, but, yeah, I just, I love, you know, the, the stalker angle, of, you know, just the creepiness of it. Um, I like that it is a darker comedy and feels like a darker comedy when comedies were very goofy and broad, at least mainstream comedies. Um, not that I was watching all comedies back then, but it just seems like generally this was, you know, a bit of an outlier. So maybe that's why people weren't uh, as receptive to it. But I, I think it's great. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, actually. I don't know if I've actually watched this Blu-ray, but it's one I do need to watch. Um, cause I know I watched, I think probably the DVD that I had, I watched a lot. Um, but yeah, the cable guy absolutely rocks. If you're a Jim Carrey fan and you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it's like legitimately the, the most watched Jim Carrey movie, uh, for me personally, mm -hmm. like that's the one I watched the most. Uh, I was talking about this with uh, Kyle the other day. Um, because Ace Ventura is like really a formative film for him in particular, and both of those films, in fact, and of course The Mask and and Dumb and Dumber, like those are all classics. Mm -hmm. I, I would I would not argue that, but truthfully, uh, I didn't watch those movies as much as I did The Cable Guy. Like I saw them, but I didn't like repeatedly watch them over and over and over again. But The mm -hmm. Cable Guy, for whatever fucking reason, that was like that was the one that resonated with me personally. Um, and in fact, it's probably the one that's quoted the most between me and Kyle and my brother. Just the, and just a very tired Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, like the word, the name Stephen just can't be said from, yeah. without me thinking about that movie. And you're absolutely right, Ben Stiller. I've been championing him as a director for a very long time because I've I've always maintained like I think this guy has. I think he's got it, man. Like he doesn't direct things all the time, but when he does, like I, th they have a nice look, they have good production values. Like they, ha he has almost like a a dark edge to his sense of humor that it's not exhibited in his performances all the time. But a lot of his movies seem to consistently have this dark tinge to them that I've yeah. always compared it to uh, Danny DeVito. Yeah. Um, Danny DeVito also directs, he's directed several films as well, and they seem to have that in common, where like Throw Mama from the Train in particular, and Death to Smoochie, like I'm thinking of that kind of vibe that seems to permeate both of their films, and I love that about Ben Stiller's filmography. Like, mm -hmm. like Tropic, Tropic Thunder isn't like a pitch black film by by any means, but it does have like a cutting edge to it that that gives it a little bit more punch and makes it all the all the more effective in, in being both entertaining and engaging um but yeah uh cable guy is phenomenal i i think it's fantastic but you're absolutely right i do remember when it came out uh people were not happy with it maybe because it, they weren't ready to see jim carrey do other things and that seems to haunt him from time to time this this thing where it's like oh yeah he's an actor 
mm-hmm. he does acting <laughs> like he he's not just ace ventura pet detective like he he does other things <laughs> like and that was kind of branching out for him at a point when i don't know that mainstream audiences were especially ready for it um but on top of that it's a it's a cool looking film like yeah. it, it has it has some neat cinematography and it has some like like really imaginative camera work um, and lighting schemes that like give it give it this like really nasty quality to it that like it has an oppressive quality to it like at the the family party scene in particular there's some lensing in there that's just like fuck mm-hmm. like this is really uncomfortable <laughs> like it's kind of funny but it's also just like straight up mean at times yeah i mean that might have been partially what turned people off of it i guess because i mean like yeah I can I can see why people would be, you know, not on board with Jim Carrey in it, but I mean in reality he's not that far off of what he normally does. It's just like he's taking a step in he's just like taking a step to the left basically and he's just like, you know, one notch over and he's just doing kind of the same-ish character but as a villain. Like it's not yeah. like totally off base, but yeah, I mean, like there's that one song. I always I always think the song She Likes Me for Me you know that song from the 90s? They dissed the cable guy. And I, I, I think that was the one I first realized because I watched it as a kid. And I, I probably, probably would agree with you. Maybe Dumb and Dumber is taking it over now because uh, Cable Guy didn't have the Blu-ray was out of print for a while. So that really dr- dropped my numbers on watching the film. Um, so maybe Dumb and Dumber has taken it over now as most watched Jim Carrey movie. But uh, yeah, probably for a time. This was my most watched Jim Carrey movie. And I just, I guess I kind of thought, like, because I loved it, and I was like, it's Jim Carrey, must everybody must love it. Um, but I heard that song, and I was like, oh, what, what is this? Like, a song on the radio is dissing the cable guy? <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is happening? Wow. Like, that's, like, that's pretty backhanded. Like, come on now. I mean, it, maybe pick a different movie or something. Like, jeez, yeah. like, way to kick me at home. Yeah. Uh, but... I mean, that movie has, like, I'm, like, playing the whole movie back in my head. It just has too many fantastic, memorable sequences. And, and like, I mean, the Medieval Times sequence is, mm-hmm. is legendary. Like, like it it lives rent-free in my head. <laughs> so, but there's so many wonderful lines and, and just ideas at work. that it, it really is a fantastic film. Also includes uh, Owen Wilson's best acting performance, if you ask me. Right? He's just some poor asshole who gets his ass beat in a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> he is an asshole, though. I do like that they demonstrate that very very subtly in like two lines of dialogue just he's he's quick with the wait staff and it's like mm-hmm. he's not a keeper yeah <laughs> it's like yep. he deserves that ass beating in that bathroom yeah i mean it's <laughs> you're a pretty, on a hot date <laughs> it, it's a pretty impressive uh cast too like just people that pop up in small roles that kind of jack black yeah jack black i think uh, what's andy his, dick what's his a partner G- janine uh, garofalo kyle kyle gas has a very very yes. memorable like very small but memorable. One of my favorite parts of the movie is when he picks up the book. Yeah, the at the very end, at the very end, just just that that deep longing, contemplative look. He's just like, I miss this. Oh man! <laughs> you know who has the best cameo though? Hmm. Eric Roberts. Oh <laughs> yeah, Sammy, yeah. Sammy, no, <laughs> Sammy. <laughs> 
that's that's one of the best running gags. That's like one of the best running gags I can remember from my childhood. Is yeah. it's the trial sequence throughout that entire film. But yeah. that the re the television the TV movie reenactment of the murder featuring Eric Roberts as the two brothers. That was fantastic. And that's something I didn't totally because it's referencing what is it the Menen is it Menendez? Am I? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't totally get that that was referencing when I was younger that it was referencing a real life case. Um, so I mean the movie just keeps continues to deliver as I've gotten older. I think when I was a kid I just I didn't know about that, but I I think I just like conflated it with the O.J. Simpson business yeah. because I, I as a kid I was like there's a trial that's on TV every day that everybody's talking about. I don't know anything about. It. I just know that there's a courtroom on TV every night. Um, so I'm I I didn't know about the actual incident that it was based on at the time, but yeah, that that was so beautifully executed and Ben Stiller really does seem to I don't know ha- have a good sense of like the zeitgeist and how to play with it um but yeah he's uh he's especially relevant right now because isn't he the director of that severance show yeah i think he uh, i think there were two episodes maybe that he didn't direct two or three but he directed most of the episodes of the first season so um he also i think he directed all the episodes of a, a mini series called um escape from danamora which was like a prison break show Okay. And I've heard that's very good as well. I think it's got Benicio del Toro, Patricia Arquette, Paul Dano. Um, so Damn. it seems like maybe <laughs> he's you know working in TV more now. But it seems, I mean, from what I've seen with uh, Severance, he's still doing great work. Yeah, it, it's kind of neat too because it seems like he's comfortably working behind the camera. Because I, I haven't seen any like hype trains or advertising dollars put behind marketing him as being involved with any of these projects. Um, but, you know, the, the work speaks for itself, man. I've always thought he had it as a director, and it makes me very happy to know that he's working and seemingly doing very good work, at least based on what I've heard about the Severance show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, it's I'm happy, but at the same time, I'm a little bummed because I, I don't think I, I don't have Apple TV, so I, I can't watch it. <laughs> but I, that could be changed if I just open my wallet. But I'm sure it's, it's good, Ben. But it's not that good. <laughs> it's a cheap. It's a cheap. Uh, it's only five bucks, four ninety nine. It's one of the cheaper options out there. I gotta no, say. No, but I, I gotta I gotta hold off because uh, I gotta watch Mad God on a Shutter. Ah, uh, yes. So yep. I am going to have to reactivate the Shutter account for thirty days and no more. <laughs> so I can watch Phil Tibbetts, Mad God, and maybe The Sadness, because I've heard a lot of hype about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then no more. We're cutting it off. Cut, yep. Like, cut a, like a Band-Aid. Right off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that was the cable guy. Excellent pick, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll go with this one. Okay. So I, I have here on a Blu-ray uh, from our boy uh, Gore. And this may violate the rules just a little bit because it's got an ah at the beginning, but it's ah cure for wellness. Now, would you call this an A or a C pick, Brad? I, I have it under C. I have it okay. under C. Okay. I'm glad I'm glad I didn't I don't want anybody to vomit on today's podcast. So <laughs> thankfully we're yeah. we're not in any trouble there. I treat the let the word A like the word the. Yeah. Yeah. Ah cure for wellness. Yeah. Uh, so this is of course directed by Gore Verbinski. And I think this was about like 2013, around there. Um, 
I really, really, really like this movie, even though I will freely admit I don't think it's all that great of a movie. It has some real, real bad weaknesses, uh, especially in its third act. Like, it, it does not end strong, if you ask me. Uh, but the lead-up is so beautiful, and beautiful is the key word. Um, on an aesthetic level, this, this film is absolutely gorgeous. From an audiovisual standpoint, this film has so many absolutely amazing shots, settings, sets, um, and the score uh, by um, Benjamin Walfish. Uh, I think he came from the school of Zimmer. Um, but uh, Benjamin Walfish, he does these these very melodic, like fully orchestral, mostly horror scores, and that that's very appropriate with this one. It has a very gothic vibe to it, with a lot of like vocal tracks from what sounds like a very tiny woman or a child, <laughs> um, and a full orchestra that just the the string work is is it's gorgeous. Uh, this movie is so beautiful uh, in so many ways. Um, it's a shame that the storytelling can't match its looks. Um, it's, it's not particularly substantive. Uh, it really does fall apart very badly, if you ask me. In fact, they have like an almost perfect end point, it, like at the beginning of, I guess, what would be the third act. And then the movie continues, and you're just like, why? <laughs> like, like, what are we doing? So, like, I'm gonna. I'm probably going to spoil some things here and there. I, I I do strongly recommend this movie just based on its looks. But um, like Brad, do you remember when Dane DeHaan, who is our our protagonist in the film, uh, he's put in like the iron lung, and there's the the eel things yep. that are like put into him. Mm-hmm. Could you not see that as being a potential endpoint for the film? Uh, yeah, I guess from what I remember, yeah, I could see it ending there. Because there's quite a bit more after that, and it gets loud and dumb mm-hmm. after that, to the point where I'm starting to, like, I'm trying to, like, work it out in my head. Is like, is this, like, a Total Recall kind of situation or something? Like, is that, like, actually the end of the story? And then the rest is, like, a, I don't know, a del- delusion of some sort? But I don't think that's the case. Like, Doesn't... I, I, I mean, I could be Mr. I've, I think I've only seen the movie the one time. I, I do like it quite a bit, though. Do, doesn't the final shot, isn't there something where he smiles and his teeth are there, even though they got knocked out earlier in the movie or something like that? Am I mis? I do remember he smiles, but I can't remember if his teeth are fixed or not. Although, I think I'd noticed that was the case when he's uh, he's like seated in the garden after that sequence, and he's kind of like, borderline catatonic mm-hmm. i seem to remember his teeth being okay there too uh, but that last shot is bizarre yeah <laughs> like, like dane dehan is apparently not an actor that i want to see smile <laughs> directly no. into the camera no. it's not a good look um and, and also the green screen he's on is it's like in, in an otherwise gorgeous film it's not a thing it's not a great shot um but uh, the, the lead up the build up to the ending there's there's so much cool shit that happens in the movie you just kind of want to hang out and just look at it. Like, that's how I've treated the film over the years. It's, it's, it's a very good kind of, like, look and listen film. Like, I, I already know the story. I've seen it two or three times, so I, I don't need to pay attention to the narrative. It's just something nice to put on and look at and listen to every once in a while. Uh, a couple of the tracks from the score I've listened to so many times. Uh, in particular, there's a waltz. I think it's... Yeah, yeah, there's a waltz towards the end of the film. The unfortunately is cut a little bit short 
uh, as compared to the like the soundtrack version of the piece. Um, but that that piece is absolutely beautiful. And of course, the opening, like the core theme of the film, uh, there's this beautiful piano melody that plays along with, as I said, like a a vocal track that plays over it. It's it's haunting and beautiful in unexpected ways. Like normally, this is not my pace for a movie. Like for fuck's sake, the first things I showed off were Scott Adkins movies, not even good ones. Well, yeah. Close Range is good. The other two, not so much. But but that that's more my pace is what I'm trying to get at. Like gothic fucking horror, not really, not really a thing that's on the shelf for the most part. Like aside from like some Tim Burton shit, but that is not gothic horror. That's Tim Burton shit. Um, but yeah, this was kind of I guess like a a pit stop for Gore Verbinski in some ways. I want to say that, I mean, it was obviously post pirates, um, but it was, it was also post Rango. I think, uh, I can't recall if Lone Ranger had happened before or after this. I think it was um, Lone Ranger was before. I'm pretty sure. So this, this was maybe, was this like Gore's last chance or something? <laughs> because as far as I know, he hasn't like, I don't know that he's been making studios happy, uh, for a while now. Like I, he strikes me as that kind of person these days. Yeah, I guess the, the I think this was his last film. I don't think yeah, he's come out with. I, I, yeah, I think that's true. Um, it, it, he fell off pretty hard, uh, and it all comes back to his return on investment, as far as I understand, because Lone Ranger is notorious for being one of the biggest Disney flops of the modern era, right up there with John Carter, um, but. Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate because, as Brad and I have often said, like I, I, I appreciate the guy. I don't know that he's the most talented filmmaker out there, but all of his movies, on a visual level, on an audiovisual level, have something to offer. Um, he's someone that I, I would actually like to see get back on the horse and give us some more goods because uh, I, I think, I think he has something to offer. Yeah, he does have something in the works at Paramount, apparently. Ah, um, what, Beavis and Butthead 3 or something? No. <laughs> uh, something called Spaceless. Spaceless. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, scheduled, <laughs> scheduled for December of next year, oh. and uh, it says cast announcements coming soon. Maybe they're uh, waiting to see if like Johnny Depp's public profile has improved by then. <laughs> it could be. It could be. I mean, I like, you know, I, if I were a producer, I'd say get him on the phone now. I'm sure his tr- I'm sure his asking price is low right oh, now. I, yeah, yeah, like now yeah. is the time. Now is yeah. the, if he is a stock, now is the time to buy. No, if you're a producer or an agent, like no shame. Just mm-hmm. get on the phone right fucking now because his price is down. And he has a working relationship, an established working relationship with Gore Verbinski. He's got Lone Ranger and Rango. Get Johnny on the phone. <laughs> could, yeah, he could Send be in space. Johnny to space, goddammit. <laughs> that, I mean, it would be amazing if we find out like next week that he's casting the how like how amazing would we call it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I would I will not be surprised at all. I mean yeah. Yeah. the timing seems right. He does have a precedent for having worked with the guy twice. It's like more, hey, I mean, Johnny. more than twice, uh, five times. Pirates. Oh yeah, pirate pirates. That's right. That's the big one. Fuck, obviously. man. <laughs> like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> it's like, Johnny, would you like to play a chameleon with a spaceship who hangs around with pirates 
and drinks eel milkshakes. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. A, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like uh, a cure for wellness also. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it is. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said. Yeah, it does fall apart in the end, but uh, the journey there, there's some great stuff. Uh, it it's it has that really cozy vibe to it when you put it on. Like it has a very pleasant build where they they ease you into it and it keeps you asking lots of questions. Only problem is most of the answers aren't spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does it does some things it really. Sh- ought not to when it gets to the finale it's like i i don't need fist fights i don't need zombie fist fights at the end of my gothic horror film thank you very much like i have no problem with zombie fist fights just just not in this film yeah um but yeah it's actually a, like long been on the back burner as an episode i would very much like to do for catching up on cinema uh, i don't think kyle has seen this one um, and I'm sure he'll have problems with it because Kyle hates everything that I like. <laughs> but that's not—that's actually a running gag at this point. I don't yeah. take offense to that. I think it's fun. <laughs> so I'm actually really excited to make Kyle watch something he'll hate. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a someday uh, for the show. But anyway, that's enough uh, about a cure for wellness. Uh, Brad, what is your next C pick? Let's go with this one. Uh, This one is from my friends at Vinegar Syndrome. And this is a little movie called The Candy Snatchers. The Candy Snatchers. um, Which is a movie. Uh, Yeah, it's an exploitation movie. So the plot of this one is basically you've got three criminals who kidnap a young girl. Her name is Candy. Hence, the Candy Snatchers. A little trivia for you here. This movie originally was titled The Candy Snatch. But uh, people thought That's a little risque. The title was a little too risque. Um, This would have been part of Vinegar Syndrome's other line of films, potentially, if it had that title. Um, But no, they kidnap this girl, hold her for ransom because her father or stepfather or something... um, owns a jewelry store or he's the manager of a jewelry store. So they're going to exploit him for his money. And, uh, you know, they're like, you got to bring your money here. We'll let candy go safe and sound, pay the ransom. She'll be fine. And they wait for him to drop off the money. And he just never shows. And he never tells the cops. He doesn't tell candy's mom. He just keeps on living his life. And, uh, you're like, what is going on here? Why is he not trying? Why is he not worried about candy? And uh, the criminals end up, once that happens and their plan falls apart, they end up becoming pretty bumbling and uh, they kind of stumble through trying to get the money for this uh, young girl who they have also buried. They've buried her under the ground. Um, And it just kind of goes from there. It's a very dark film in the way that it looks at humanity because essentially everybody in the film is... Um, awful. So, you know, everybody from her stepdad to the criminals to like pretty much every character except for Candy is, you know, just a, a terrible person. And I think that's kind of what the movie is getting at. Um, there's even a, a, t- a young boy who is in the film and uh, we kind of see his home life and he is potentially going to rescue Candy because he uh, discovers her but he, he cannot speak. He is mute. 
So he can't tell anybody about Candy, but he keeps going to visit her and trying to tell people to come. And um, we kind of see what happens with him and how violence uh, could be passed down from generation to generation. Um, definitely not a film I would recommend to everybody because, uh, you know, it's just the premise is, you know, maybe could potentially upset people. Uh, I do believe there are some rape scenes in here. That could uh, trigger some people, um, but it's a pretty well-made film, and uh, I think the performances were good. I I quite enjoyed the Candy Snatchers, uh, directed by Gurdon Trueblood. Gordon, 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 not Gordon, not Gordon, 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 Gordon. Either way, great yeah. name. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a great release from Vinegar Syndrome. Some nice uh, bonus features here. You got reversible artwork. I mean, just another home run. I'd heard, you know, a lot of, like looking up like what's a top tier Vinegar Syndrome title that you should own, and a lot of people um, recommended this one, and uh, mm. I can see why. Uh, potentially, I feel like maybe could have been a influence on the Coen Brothers. You know, you you got. A little bit of that crime element, like there's some Fargo, Fargoisms in here. Um, from what I remember, I think there's like some dark comedy. So you know, and I, I believe uh, Quentin Tarantino is also a big fan of the film. So yeah, it's 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 one that I uh, I would probably revisit it at some point. So I'm glad I picked it up. Yeah, I've heard you speak about that one before, and it really does sound like it's a very solid film. Like mm-hmm. it's it's from the from the ground up. Like it, it's just well put together. Um, I would I would probably watch that even even with the upsetting subject matter. Like it it sounds like there's quality beyond that. Yeah, that, that make mm-hmm. it make it a good experience overall. But. Um, uh, if you're not aware, folks at home, uh, Brad actually did an unboxing of his uh, Vinegar Syndrome hauls uh, a while back, and the Candy Snatchers was included in that yeah, unboxing right. video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he he has, I think, done a micro review of it in the past for uh, his Cinema Speak podcast. So definitely uh, check out his back catalog there. But um, speaking of uh, Vinegar Syndrome, Brad, uh, they had a halfway to black friday sale mm-hmm. not too long ago uh did you uh did you splurge did you grab anything there i did uh still waiting on my order though um so it's been a while uh but you know i think the way they do it you know if you're a subscriber to vinegar syndrome your orders get shipped out first and then they kind of just work through and i put in multiple orders so that's probably why it's taking so long i think if i don't get it by shipped at least shipped by the end of uh, the month, then it'll be a little concerning. But you know, they, they they take a while. They're you know a small crew. But um, the the nice thing about it is when you take so long to ship. I don't even remember what I bought. <laughs> like, oh, well, like, I mean, that'll be a genuine unboxing. It will be. <laughs> I, I kind of I remember. I think I remember at least one or two movies. There's one that I kind of I hope I bought. I don't now. I'm, I don't know if I did though. I kind of wish I had. <laughs> Um, but we'll see. It's going to be a surprise. It'll be good. Uh, so we're going to get to see Brad on the camera being like, oh, God, I hope this is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, make sure you get all the packages before you before you do that. But mm-hmm. um, not to throw it in your face, but uh, part of the reason I'm asking is because I actually just got a notification today that my mine was shipped. Um, of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many movies did you order? Just, just two. Shh. 
and they're shipping your measly order before <laughs> mine. I, I made three orders in this sale. They should be giving me priority here. I've always had a theory that um, I get unfair special treatment when it comes to mailing of, of parcels uh, because I'm in the Seattle area where Amazon kind of like owns everything. And so like shipping here is obscenely fast sometimes. Uh, it it seems it seems to like have something in common with that, but uh, but yeah, I got my notification, and I have seen uh, other movie collectors and stuff on the twitters lately uh, throw out there that they got they have been getting their stuff. So yeah, I would imagine it's just a day or two away, Brad. So looking forward to that unboxing video. But what, um, what did you order, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, uh, I got um, Miami Connection on 4K. Um, and uh, New York Ninja mm. on 4K uh, yep. because just the concept of that film uh, was very intriguing to me. Like a, a, and I think it was just unedited raw footage without the audio track that they they hired schlock actors from the day. I think Don the Dragon Wilson is on the voice cast for the film because they had to dub the entire audio track for the film and basically just assemble the film as best they could so they basically made a movie like mm-hmm. like they kind of like dumped a jigsaw puzzle of a movie out on the floor and vinegar syndrome essentially made a movie um which is very interesting to me it's not the first time i've seen that done like um was it um is it kung pao where they they took the existing footage yeah. of chinese martial arts films and then kind of just pad their way with it to make a brand new narrative so that's that's been done before, but I, you know it's it's it sounded novel, and I'd, I'd very much like to check it out. So it's just those those two, but good picks. Um, thanks, man. Uh, I'm very I'm looking forward to hearing what you got. But uh, uh, just for funsies, uh, I'm gonna toss this back to you, Brad. On the letterboxed, what did you give the candy snatchers, or did you already spoil it for yourself? I I, I already did spoil this for myself. I gave it a four. <laughs> Yes, yes, Brad did in fact give it a four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was curious when I had watched it, so I looked it up. Um, that's okay. what, now. What day did I watch it? That's the question. I think it was it was September something of last year. <laughs> that's the question. Uh, I don't know how to find that. <laughs> <laughs> I know things. I don't know all the things. Yeah, don't so. worry about it. <laughs> But yeah, um, Vinegar Syndrome, they do they do good work. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, alongside all the like straight up schlock and straight up pornography, um, they actually do put out like legitimately very, very good films on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Candy Snatcher sounds like one of them. Um, but I guess the ball is to me. Okay. Uh, so I have here... Uh, a pretty a pretty good movie and an okay movie <laughs> uh, but they both are about the same subject uh, so I thought it would be a nice double feature uh, so I have here uh, in a truly obnoxious slipcase that makes me kind of consider like getting a different copy <laughs> of the movie just because it's so fucking ugly to look at um, Cinderella Man Ooh, and yeah. my god the reflections so the reason they put this gold border on it is simply because it says 2005 at the bottom, but nominated for three Academy Awards, including Best Supporting Actor. I don't know that it won any of those three nominations. I don't think it did, no. <laughs> so what the fuck is the point? 
this this casing kind of reminds me of like the quote sapphire editions of things like gladiator and stuff H- truly hideous yeah. but um yeah cinderella man and uh chuck not the tv series uh chuck uh this is about chuck wepner um so both of these are films about the sport of boxing and on top of that they're both uh biopics uh, so the, these are both films about real life boxers uh, at very different times in history. This is about James J. Braddock, uh, who at one time was the heavyweight champion of the world uh, in, I believe, the 1940s. Um, I think Joe Lewis would take the title from him very shortly after he won it. Um, and then Chuck Wepner, who was never more than a contender, also a heavyweight, um, th- he served as the uh, kind of the basis for Rocky Balboa. Um Basically, the story goes, and it is actually touched on in the film, the story goes that uh, Chuck Wepner, the Bayonne bleeder, um, got his ass thoroughly whipped by Muhammad Ali, and Sylvester Stallone happened to be in the stands during the fight, and he he was courageous, and I think he even knocked Ali down at one point. He did not win that fight. He got his ass fucking tore up, Um, but he was courageous in in that he took the beating and I don't think he actually made it to the final bell. Uh, not like Rocky did uh, with Apollo Creed. Um, but supposedly the story, the event inspired Sylvester Stallone to write the screenplay for Rocky, um, which was a big deal for him. Not so much for Chuck Wepner, the actual person, <laughs> um, which is what the film is about. But um, I think both of these films are pretty good. I think Cinderella man is better overall. This is a Ron Howard film. Um, it takes some liberties here and there um, with the... There's a lot of misery porn in this movie, um, just about the, the Great Depression. Well, yeah, just just about, like, living as a destitute person um, and trying to raise a family uh, in, the, in the situation. There's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of family drama. There's a lot of really good acting performances, though, on top of the boxing action. Like, Russell Crowe shows the fuck up. Renee Zellweger is very 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 good paul giamatti steals your fucking heart like he always does he just brings light to every production he's on um but the boxing action in this is actually quite good um it's surprising it's surprisingly visceral and uh they they take a lot of they take a lot of bumps there's actual actually a lot of good contact and more than that the the style represented in the combat in this film feels largely genuine to what the sport was in the 1940s like it's it's not as technical as what i'm getting at um but this movie's schmaltzy it it it's very much like a take take gam gam to the theater uh kind of experience in some ways i thought about having kyle watch this for sports movie month a while back then i thought twice about it. i was like the schmaltz is going to drive him nuts mm-hmm. it's going to ask him to feel things that he is he is just going to put his foot down and say i will not <laughs> and i was like nah let's not do that so i enjoy this movie but i freely admit that it's emotionally manipulative and definitely was chasing some oscars but chuck is a it's okay it it doesn't quite follow through on things like it touches on some really neat ideas about the notion of a a very sad individual who is kind of chasing fame that never came in fact there's a sequence where he uh he meets a a actor portraying sylvester stallone so they couldn't get the real stallone because he was supposed to be a young man this takes place in the 70s yeah um 
and even even with Stallone's plastic surgery, it's it's not going to look right. So there's an actor standing in for Stallone, but there's a sequence where he's basically trying to get a payout essentially, and it doesn't go his way. Um, it's I'm glad I watched it, but it it occupies a space on my shelf. Um, but not much more than that, honestly. It's like this is not a, a film that I'm going to watch ever again, probably. Uh, unlike Cinderella Man, which I've already seen many times over. Um, so I don't even know if you heard of this one, but Lee Schreiber is very, very good in it. Mm. Um, and in case you couldn't tell, like we have a fucking all-star cast in this. We got Elizabeth Moss, uh, who I forgot was in the film. Probably should have told that to Kyle. Mm. Uh, he would have perked up at that. Yeah. And uh, with Ron Perlman, who, as far as I recall, is not in a whole lot of it. Jim Gaffigan, apparently. <laughs> Uh, Michael Rappaport, the loudest man on the East Coast, and uh, Naomi Watts. Uh, so we got some talent uh, front and center, but um, I don't know, man. This movie just didn't quite work for me. What as year much as, was as that? As much as I was intrigued by it. Um, 2017. Oh, wow. Okay, so recent. Hmm. Yeah, fairly recent. I feel like maybe I heard about it from you, but that's about it. I think I may have pointed it out on like a maybe like a catching up on blu-ray or something i probably found an excuse to talk about it which tends to be the case with me and boxing in general um it's a lovely sport but nobody cares (laughs) so it's just me over here talking about every once in a while um but yeah i'm i'm a sucker for boxing stories in general so as soon as i caught wind of that one being made i i knew who chuck wepner was when they announced it so i was like I'm going to keep my eye out for that, especially because I, I happen to quite like Leif Schreiber. I think he's a very talented actor. Um, but yeah, just something about the production on the whole didn't just didn't gel or something. Because yeah. there are good performances in there, and the story is one that's worth telling. It's just not as engaging as it ought to be, I guess. Well, it's 2017. That had to be pretty soon, uh, right around... Uh... Leah Schreiber and Naomi Watts' divorce, wasn't it? I never knew they were married, actually. Maybe they weren't married. Oh, yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, they divorced in 2016. Maybe it was because of Chuck. <laughs> this might have been what the straw that broke the camel's back, let's be honest. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe she saw him with the receding hairline makeup, and she was like, I don't want to be with that. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's, that's just around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm... Ch- I've never seen either of those. Um, I know Cinderella Man was kind of a big deal when it came out because I think it was the first time after Beautiful Mind that those two collaborated again, Russell Crowe yeah. and Ron Howard. So yeah. definitely had some buzz. Um, yeah, I'd be curious to watch that. I'm not like a big boxing movie fan. Like I don't dislike them, but it's not one I actively go out of my way. A genre, a subgenre, I should say, that I actively go out of my way to watch um but yeah I, you mean you didn't go to the theater to watch southpaw i did J- not gyllenhaal in southpaw i did not i did not I, did. <laughs> well, I mean isn't that uh antoine fuqua too yeah and i i do generally like his movies yeah you're although, you're fuqua head so i mean no surprise infinite movie man i i mm. I heard that was straight mm. trash. Oh, yeah. I just forgot that was him. Yeah. Yeah. And I defend uh, the Magnificent Seven. I think that's a fine action yeah, western. Yeah. I didn't hate like, it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't give you much more than cowboy stunts. 
I'm fine with that. I'm fine mm-hmm. with Vincent D'Onofrio throwing axes at people. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure, I'll sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I cut you off, though. No, no, no. I, yeah, I didn't have much more to say. But I, I would like to watch that because I could be wrong, but it might be the only time Paul Giamatti has received an Oscar nomination. Certainly, I, I know he was nominated for that movie, but I can't. I don't think he was ever nominated for anything else. Yeah, I I can't recall. Um, I mean, did he get any like Emmy nominations for that John Adams show or anything? I think yeah, I think he got he he got awards up the the you know the rear end for that <laughs> up the wazoo. Well, I was gonna say like a boatload of, but then I was gonna say he got rewards up the butt. So I was. I don't know. He got a cluster of awards. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just confirming, yes, he was nominated for one Oscar for Cinderella Man. Wow. And it's that's kind of a shame, man, because he's a fantastic actor. He's he's turned in some truly amazing performances. But, you know, uh, there's always politics at work, and you never know what else came out those years as well. So who knows? Maybe he just had the right performances at the wrong time all the time. Um, but I love the guy. He's fantastic. Um, and he's very, very good in this. Like, like he, some of, some of his like incidental dialogue is a, is a little bit obnoxious, mostly because it's Paul Giamatti being asked to be a boxing trainer. I mean, technically I think he's a manager, but he, he serves the role of like the corner man in the film. And some of the, the shit he tosses out there, I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like that's not helpful to anyone. That's like that's like hit him in the head. It's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like hit him in the body. It's like, oh, that's great. I know. <laughs> it's like it's like very rudimentary stuff. That's like, you know, it's it's, it's okay. You, you he did some homework, but you know, we all we all can't always be on the ball when it comes to stuff. But his energy is spectacular in the film. He has a yeah. lot of fantastic scenes in it, and. I think top to bottom, it's a it's a really it's a really nice production. Like it, it looks really good. Uh, the score, I forget who did it actually, is is pleasant. Uh, it has some, it has a, it has the right tone for what they're trying to do. And as I said, the the boxing is actually pretty well executed. Like I was really surprised. Like like it didn't need to be very very good, but it it was. Um, the one weakness I would say is if like you're an emotionless troll like myself uh some of the melodrama in the film can be can feel a little bit manipulative and a little heavy-handed um but beyond that it's a it's a nice story um not an especially historically accurate story but a nice story nonetheless and also uh, there's a couple of uh like more indie actors in the cast that i was really surprised like they have very small roles in the film but like in more recent years i was like whoa those were really talented people that, hmm. that were in small roles i think uh patty considine okay uh, i think he's in there in a very small role and there's a was it rachel getting married um the uh the sister that's getting married in that is uh also in cinderella man i, I actually don't know her name i just know her bone structure because she got she has a, a look that it's very familiar it's not uh rosemary dewitt is it I would trust your instincts better than mine, bro. Look, looks like it is. I'm gonna. Yeah, we're gonna go with that. Does she have an aquiline nose? Yes. Okay. Then I think. Then, yes. I will. I will. I will happily just say yes. You're probably right. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cinderella Man and Chuck, not the TV show. 
<laughs> not the Zachary Levi TV show, which apparently my girlfriend absolutely adores. Oh, well, so there you go. At some point, I'll probably have to watch that show. Double up on Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, I got a Chuck for you that's subpar. You want to <laughs> watch that instead? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's enough out of me. Uh, Brad, uh, ballist user. Um, I'll go with this one, I guess. I don't have a ton to say about it, but uh, I'll go with a title from my Vestron video collection. And this one is actually the first title in the collection. Number one on the spine there. Creep it up. We'll just do a little creep up there. There's number one on the spine. We're talking Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall, the classic... 80s horror film Chopping Mall, which uh, I have seen. I did watch this on the Blu-ray. I'd never seen it before when I bought it, but, you know, I had to. I started buying all these Vestron titles. I had to buy the first one, of course. And uh, it does have a great premise. Like, the premise is pretty awesome. So it's essentially a shopping mall that has built these robot security guards... And one night, a bunch of teenagers stay in the mall and have sex, as we've all done. We've all had sex in shopping malls, of course. It's a rite of passage. Everybody does it. And, of course, we've all had, when that happens, those shopping malls always get struck by lightning. It always happens. When you stay overnight in the mall, there's always a thunderstorm. You get struck by lightning. And, of course... That causes the robot security guards to malfunction. We've all been there. It happens, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and then these uh, robot security guards, that, that uh, after the mall gets struck by lightning, they go on uh, a killing spree. And uh, they see these trespassers, and they try and kill them to smithereens. And it's uh, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. But, you know, it's not terribly well-made or anything, but it gets by on its charm and... You know, the sort of, you know, like a low-rent uh, version of Dawn of the Dead kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, it's fun. It's it's very cheaply made. Like, there's moments where you can really see the budget. Like, there's a, a, a great moment where um, I believe she go, uh, the, our main character goes to hide in the pet store. And while she's in the pet store, uh, a tarantula or maybe several tarantulas get out and you get some close-up shots of like a tarantula crawling over what seems to be somebody's body and then when we cut to a bit of a wider shot of her there's just like the most fake looking non-moving spider on her that she brushes off like it's it looks terrible um but you know it's charming and uh yeah also you've got um Am I going crazy? Is his name Dick Miller? Uh, yes. Yeah, Dick Miller. That, that guy. That Dick guy. Miller. Yep. Um, I was like, either his name's Dick Miller or I just am coming no, up with... No, there's an actual documentary, I think, called That Guy, oh, Dick okay. Miller. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because um, he, is, he is the consummate Dick... Like, that guy. Yep. He's Dick Miller, that yeah. guy. <laughs> um, yeah, he's in here for a small role. He plays a custodian who I think is the first kill of the movie. And uh, yeah, it's it it's fun. Real nice runtime too. Seventy six minutes, gets Oof. in, gets out, doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, yeah, if you're a fan of eighties horror, eighties um, horror ish sci fi, uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out. 
Yeah, I I haven't seen it front to back. I've just seen like highlights, like in particular a head getting blown up and uh, some some nifty rotoscoped like electrical effects and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it looked like a fun one. Uh, I've actually I think seen. I could be talking directly out my ass, but I, I seem to recall seeing like a vinyl of the soundtrack uh, in mm-hmm. the wild at one point. Yeah. Uh, apparently, apparently it's like a like a mid '80s synth tr- score that actually some people appreciate like it's actually decently well known among like the horror fandom and whatnot but yeah it looked like a lot of fun it looked like it was very aware of what it was and what it was trying to do it looked very inoffensive um i could totally see myself like watching that in like high school with my friends and just like having a grand old time with it like mystery science theater 3000 style yeah i i would also say if you're looking to purchase a vestron movie in terms of the overall package, this would be a high recommendation because there's there's a lot of features on here. Really? Um, yeah. I don't know what because originally the Vestron <laughs> titles were more the uh, suggested retail price was more, and now they've since dropped in price. So this was one of the ones where like the suggested retail price is like what like, I don't know like thirty maybe maybe even four like you know like they have the suggested <laughs> price they never sell it for that but it'd be like. The price yeah. would be, they would say, sell it be 40, but they yeah. would sell for 20, you know. And now it's like the price is 18 and it sells for 12. But anyway, so this was one of the originals where they were more expensive. Um, I don't know if the prices dropped at all, but um, it is, it's it's one I would recommend. It's a very handsome package. I mean, yeah. the, the border at the top is, is quite eye-catching. And, of course, the cover art, which was the style at the time, that was how you sold your movie. It is, um, it's, it's a great, it, I mean, yeah, going along with your month, VHS cover art. I mean, that is, I never saw yeah. that as a kid, but that is a great piece of VHS cover art. Yeah, I, I never personally saw that one at the video store as a kid, but that would certainly be a strong candidate, although it does bear somewhat of a resemblance to House. Uh, if you know what I'm talking mm, about, yeah. Uh, yeah. the severed hand, like putting a key into the door, as far as I recall. Um, but yeah, no, that's a beautiful cover. Um, speaking of Vestron, by the way, um, I noticed on the uh, the uh, calendar, um, I think it was towards the end of May, maybe, or maybe towards the beginning, um, Extreme Prejudice, uh, featuring uh, Nick Nolte, uh, Brad, uh, who is a proud owner of every Vestron video Blu-ray that exists, um, did you end up grabbing that one yet? I did. I just recently purchased it. Um, I had a $25 gift card obtained through Swagbucks. And hey! I, I, I've been I've been exclusively, I think the last three Vestron titles have all been purchased with Swagbucks. Hey! So I purchased uh, Extreme Prejudice. And I also uh, got um, the 4K Arrow release of Wild Things. Oh, um, which, of course, didn't cover both of those. But, you know, I had, you know, so I got them both and paid off the difference. Uh, but, yeah, I did pick it up. I'm, I'm definitely curious to watch that. It does seem like a bit of a outlier. I mean, the Vestron titles have kind of sort of gotten away from being like just pure horror. Um, but this one feels feels like especially an outlier because it is a Western, correct? Like there's no it's modern. But it's a mo- okay. It, it's a modern. It's Western. probably a modern Western, like a Lone Wolf McQuaid type okay. situation, where it's like it has the vibe of a Western, but like the the cars, like we have cars, yeah, and, and like automatic pistols and stuff. But yeah, I mean, uh, I believe it is Walter Hill, I think, right? And yeah, uh, Nick that's, Nolte. That's why I'm interested. I yeah, this might be 
one of the first Vestron titles that I watch in the last four years. <laughs> this could be the one. Because I tell you, I, I haven't watched Dream a Little Dream. I haven't watched Candyman 3. I haven't watched any of that shit. But this one I might actually watch. That's fine. I remember like watching probably half of uh, Dream a Little Dream 2 on like TNT like at 3 in the morning when I was like 13 or something. I n- I've never seen either movie but for some reason i remember watching that and uh was it uh dr jekyll and mrs hyde mm. i think okay. that was also like a 3 a.m tnt movie I, I i have a lot of good memories of like just like looking up and being like what the fuck is this yeah <laughs> that's also yeah. how i got to see uh, wheels on meals um mm. the jackie chan film from i think it was 84 um boring as shit until the end where it just turns into the best action movie of all time kind of like all well, super cop isn't boring as shit but you know you get to that final reel and it's just like what <laughs> <laughs> yep. speaking of which apparently that uh is on the way from uh, 88 films i, I think, did being see that put out yeah. on 4k yeah yeah i will Stuff be picking be that up 100 percent. yeah brad is a v- big fan of of the the finale of super cop <laughs> i was blown away absolutely blown away <laughs> more people need to see super cop yeah. it's excellent mm-hmm. it's great fun um but yeah uh, thanks for showing off the vestron goods that's that's something I, i'm always happy to see because they they do seem to put a premium on the the presentation because like a lot of those vestron titles that was from that era where the cover really mattered like that yeah. was how you that's how you sold your thing um, so it's really neat seeing like actual eye-catching cover art and packaging on American movies because it seems like borderline a lost art these days. Like like the some of the covers that get put on some of the biggest movies released from from month to month. It's just like really, that's it. Like I I know it's the style of the day where we just take all. We take all the actors and we put them on the cover <laughs> yeah. with with very little heed paid to like arrangement or you know aesthetics and whatnot. We just just slap it on a plastic lunchbox and selling it, selling it. <laughs> but no, it's neat to see like Vestron. They're they're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, say what you will about the quality of the films, but um, they uh, yeah, they do all look nice on the shelf together. I don't yeah, think they've I, announced uh, their next release. I don't think so. Well, they did have a, a very long lull there a while back, so maybe their uh, their release schedule's inconsistent. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But I think I only have the one title of theirs. Uh, was it The Wraith? Mm-hmm. Um, which I basically bought purely for the soundtrack. Uh, beyond that, it's just like this movie kind of sucks yeah. <laughs> some cool car stuff but i'm not a car guy so it doesn't it doesn't really work out very well um okay so this isn't a very good movie either uh <laughs> but maybe we can get some conversation out of it so brad i may lean i may lean on you for this one okay uh, all right salvage salvage this bitch <laughs> so uh this was a, a pickup from an mvd sale uh last year i picked up like maybe three movies of theirs i don't have many mvd titles but i picked up a handful of their stuff maybe one of the movies i got was actually good (laughs) this is not among them um but i was always curious about this one and been sitting on like an amazon wish list of mine for years so i just yes i said 
it's like five dollars fuck it whatever uh so as i said this is an mvd release and i don't know what the special edition entails but uh this is camino special edition uh and this is starring zoe bell Mm. uh who is of course uh i guess most famous for being uma thurman's stunt double uh in the in basically all the quentin tarantino movies that she's done um and off of the strength of things like kill bill and death proof uh she's actually started to like like in the past five seven years or so she's actually just started to be an actress who does stunts in movies so she went from being mostly just a stunt player and or a double to actually just being an actor who does stunt work um and this was a movie that was headlined by her that came out around the time when she was starting to get rolling with that and i was i was curious like what what she had to offer and as it so happens she's She's a very affable screen presence. Like she's very likable in almost any movie you see her. And there's a reason why um, the Hateful Eight. She has dialogue in that. Like because she she just has a good quality to her as an actress. Like she she's engaging, um, and she's largely an actress in this film. And she, for what it's worth, shows the fuck up. Um, this is not much of an action film, um, but it's a. I don't know. It, it was an experiment for me because I, I have two of her movies. I have this and a uh, raise, uh, which is uh, an exploitation film riffing on the uh, women, like, in, like women prison fight movies, mm-hmm. which apparently is a is a dead genre of sorts uh, from a bygone era. But it was supposed to be like a throwback to those styles of movies. And um, for what it's worth, uh, some of the fight choreography in that film. It's pretty good. Also has an ending that would make Kyle very happy. Um, folks at home, if you know what that means. But yeah, Camino is a... I don't know. It, it's it's also extremely low budget. Um, her performance, and indeed some of the acting performances in the film, are not half bad. Um, but similar to Chuck, I guess, it just doesn't coalesce into a thing that I find especially watchable. It's very interesting because uh, Nacho Vigalondo uh, is... I guess the chief antagonist of the film and he's advertised on the back of the box as Oscar nominated filmmaker. And when I hear that name, I, I recognize it, but I can't put my finger on where from. Um, but I thought that was worth noting. I think he's, uh, I think he's the guy that did time crimes. If I'm not mistaken. Um, I would, I would trust your word on that. Yeah. I didn't know he acted at all, but yeah, I think he did time crimes. Um, he recently did um, and the movie with Anne Hathaway, uh, Colossal. Oh, um, that was him? I think. I've, I've seen that, yeah. Um, and then I think he did like a segment in one of the VHS movies. Yeah, I, I kind of I like him. I didn't know he acted at all. Well, he's a decent actor. <laughs> um, he, he plays the, the bad guy in this one, and uh, he gives a, a very solid bilingual performance in here. Um it's a little bit of an indulgent performance, but the movie definitely needed that because it doesn't have that much else to lean on in a lot of ways. Um, but for what it's worth, this is directed by Josh Waller. Um, and also for what it's worth, uh, Zoe Bell is, she's a good actress. I will give her that. Like, it's not it's not a like a thrilling action film, uh, nor do I believe it was actually advertised as that. Um, but some like news outlets that I follow that typically cover action films, they they were kind of plugging the thing pretty strongly as being 
as Zoe Bell film. So I, I, I grabbed it kind of without really hmm. paying any heed to what it actually was. And that didn't like color my expectations of it. I wasn't expecting a slam bang action thriller. Um, but it's just, like I said, similar to Chuck, it just doesn't add up to anything that I find myself ever needing to watch again. But, you know, it's kind of neat just like going out on a limb and seeing what else Zoe Bell had to offer. And mm-hmm. turns out I I think she could I think she could do, do performances without hitting anybody and and probably do just fine. Yeah, um, that's saying something. I mean, I, I think it was kind of uh, in when Death Proof came out, it seemed like some people were saying maybe she's going to be the next big, big thing. Um, I know there's some hype around her. And uh, specifically, there was some hype around her uh, appearance in season four of Lost. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Very small role, very small role, but she uh, she does have an appearance there. Um, but yeah, I've never really seen other than Death Death Proof, I guess, um, and Lost. I guess I haven't seen her act much because she it, she is like an an actress in Death Proof. She's just, she's not just a stunt double, right? If I remember right. Oh, yeah. No, I mean she has plenty of dialogue yeah. before the big climactic chase. Yeah. Um yeah. so yeah, she's she's doing double duty there. Yeah. Um but that was, you know, kind of a a love letter from Quentin Tarantino to her, essentially. It was just like, Hey, you do good work. I like you. Here's a movie. Kind of similar to uh Keanu Reeves and Tiger Chen, where uh, the two of them work together extensively in like uh fight choreography and martial arts training for the Matrix films. And then Keanu um, Keanu, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, awesome person that he is. Basically, gifted Tiger Chen a, a starring role in the form of the only movie that Keanu Reeves has ever directed, Man of Tai Chi. Um, because I'm sorry, but Tiger Chen is a charisma vacuum. <laughs> he is not a good actor. He should not headline films. But now he can say that he has. Um, thanks to his buddy Keon, um, so I'm always I'm always a sucker for checking out what these stunt people have to offer aside from you know spin kicks and falling through tables and shit. And yeah. I think Zoe Bell is a, quite a I think she's a very good actress. I, I think she could just make her livings without having to take bumps anymore. Although I I haven't watched it yet. I actually would very much like to because I've had it totally spoiled for me, um, and I think it would. I think it would work for me. Um, Malignant. Uh, I caught her. Oh, in yeah. the I caught her in the background of a couple of shots. That's and right. And I don't think I don't think she's there to act because she's she has a wig on that suggests something bad's going to happen to Zoe. <laughs> yeah. No. She's uh, she's got a couple lines. Um, I guess I didn't realize that was her. I mean, maybe she's, I did. She's got a she's got a mcgruber mullet yeah man. yeah as soon as you said malignant i knew who you were talking about but yeah i don't know if i realized it was her or not but um yeah she uh had one she was involved in probably the most memorable scene of malignant probably well good for her yeah i, I know i know something awful happens to her just mm-hmm. just based on the wig and and the fact that zoe bell it's like yeah, she's she's gonna get tore up. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she's being paid for today. <laughs> yeah. Camino, to, this is not. <laughs> I was about to ask, like, what has she been up to lately? I didn't, I didn't realize her. I forgot she was in that. So yeah, good for her. I think she might. I think she might be buddies with James Wan too. Yeah. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if she's involved with Aquaman and stuff. Yeah. Like, like 
I can't recall if she's in that first one. I wouldn't be surprised if she's in the second one that's due out soon. Well, congrats to her on being involved in the winner of the Fangoria Chainsaw Award for Best Wide Release Horror Film of the Year. Congrats to her. Really? That Malignant got that one? I do believe it did. I did uh, watch the uh, Fangoria Chainsaw Awards on Shudder. I did I did pop on that, and uh, by the time I realized I didn't want to watch it anymore, I was already halfway done, <laughs> so I just kept it going. Wow, that's a... Uh... I, I I don't have my my finger to the pulse of the horror fandom, but as the way I understood it, that film was massively divisive. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the issue was that there wasn't really many other wide release horror movies that year that were any good. Um, I, I guess, but you know, horror has the probably the highest output of any genre. So like, I I would I would push back on that. Like, well, I I think they they specifically had a category for like a limited release movie oh, versus okay. a wide release. Okay. Um, like I think wide release, it was up against like a quiet place Two. Um, I don't remember what else is there, but I mean, it wasn't too surprising to see that it won. Um, I think it would have been my pick for at least in that category. Well, I, like I said, I don't have my finger to the pulse. I just remember that like, it's a love it or hate it kind of affair. Where it's like some people think it's brilliant, some people think this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, okay, so the nominations, not to get too off track here, but yeah, Malignant, <laughs> Candyman, the Candyman Lega sequel, um, Last Night in Soho, The Night House, and A Quiet Place Part 2. Ooh, that's a, wow, there's a lot of complicated ones in there because... Nighthouse, as far as I understand, was underseen, but mm-hmm. the people the people that I've heard accounts from generally sound they sound like they really, really liked it. I, um yeah. last, last Night in Soho feels like it barely qualifies. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. I mean I haven't even seen it, but I could tell you that much just based on the vibe. Um I mean I would I'd probably take back what I said. I'd probably give it to the Nighthouse. Um I'd I'd give the Nighthouse the edge. But um you gotta think Malignant was also one of the uh, HBO Max movies, so probably some more people saw it because it's fan. I, I was about to say, like, it's most certainly the one that everybody saw. Um, Nighthouse, like I said, to this day, probably underseen. Um, but every account I've heard, like every review I've seen, says it's pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca Hall, she's great. Yeah, she rocks. She's great. She's great. <laughs> she's great. That being said, uh, Brad, do you want to go another round, or are you about tapped out? I think I can go one more. I okay. think I can. I think I can manage that. It's just what do I go with is the question. Let's go with. Um, let's go with. Oh boy, let's have I talked about this movie? I don't know. Let's go with it. I, I may have <laughs> talked to you about this. I know we've talked about it before, but I don't know if I talked about it on you know tells from the shelf. But let's go with a movie, uh, a recent release movie. You've got um, an a- another actress in here who's great, uh, Kaya Scotellario. She's great. She's great. She's great. She's got, she got big teeth. She's great. We're talking Crawl. Hey! Crawl, the surprise <laughs> hit of 2019. Um, this movie has everything you could want in a movie. You've got water. You've got 
alligators. You've got Kaya Scodelario. I mean, you've got everything you need here. This, uh, I mean, this movie was right up my alley. I, of course, I love eat 'em ups, but uh, beyond that, I think it is pretty dang well made. It's you know, in terms of that genre. It is about, uh, you know, it's up there with, you know, in terms of a schlocky version of something in that genre, you can't do too much better than this. I mean, it really hits the mark. It, it knows what it is. It has fun. It's gory. It's exciting. Um, and, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I like the premise, you know, with the idea of the hurricane. Um, there was some suspenseful moments. Uh, it's pretty good. I get the only, uh, I, think, I think I've seen it twice now. The uh, sort of apex predator theme, not my favorite. <laughs> not my favorite. It's um, a little cheesy. Yeah, it's a little cheesy. Um, I did like though that they uh, make her a swimmer. Like she is a competitive swimmer. That's a nice touch. That's yeah. a, explain why she can, you know, go toe to toe with these alligators, with these gators. Um, and uh, yeah, it's directed by Alexandra Aja. Who mm-hmm. I don't love all his stuff, but I I don't know I kind of I don't want to say I have a soft spot for him, but I don't know I I'm always intrigued by what he's gonna do. Um, I I can't say I really like I I don't even think I'd say I like the majority of his movies, but when he's got a new project, sign me up because sometimes when he hits, he hits, and usually his movies at least have some good gore. Um, seems to be what he's known for. But yeah, this was this was a fun little movie and. It's the kind of thing where when it was first announced, it's like, all right, I mean, this movie could be great, but it also could be a giant piece of shit. And thankfully it wasn't. Thankfully it wasn't. Um, I've heard uh, The Requin. Uh, I've heard that is a giant piece of shit. A similar film in a similar genre. Probably similar, not going to say similar budget, but just similar... Um, uh, attempt a similar what's the word i'm looking for a similar gumption similar uh <laughs> goals similar well, i don't know the, the word is escaping me um but anyway this was uh one that i could pop on and watch anytime i love crawl and uh it rocks and you know you've got to just acknowledge very classy very classy of the blu-ray release to put the certified fresh sticker on the back. I kind of like that. I kind of like yeah. that. Don't don't ugly up this cover. Put it on yeah. the back. It's still there, you know. If you're interested, like let's let's be honest. Is anybody going to be like walking through Walmart or Best Buy and see this see this Blu-ray and see that it has the certified fresh logo on the front and like, will that encourage them to pick it up? No. Certainly not at Walmart. Not at Walmart. <laughs> but, like, let's just say, you know, you see somebody says, oh, crawl, what's this? They pick it up, and then, of course, they're going to flip it over, and then they see this, and then they, oh, okay, well, you know, so you don't oh, need it, it on the front. Oh, it doesn't suck? Yeah, you don't need it on the front. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun one. Yeah, I love crawl. Like, it, it's it's tight is what I like about yeah. it. it. It it knows what it needs to explore and what it what it needs to toss right out the window it's very focused Mm -hmm. um it's like from a scripting standpoint while it is cheesy from time to time uh it it is very keenly aware of where it needs to go and when 
more importantly when it moves the fuck on it moves that's the most important part of it um there's like a little bit of a ticking clock factor throughout the entire movie that keeps it from ever getting bogged down in any one crisis and it has a it has a lovely progression to it where it it almost feels like a video game mm-hmm. where you're like you're like bouncing from checkpoint to checkpoint because you have all the it's like you're playing Call of Duty and they keep yelling at you over the radio Ramirez go pick up the thing Ramirez yeah. win the war Ramirez go to the Burger King Ramirez it's like that where it's just like the characters get nudged along at a very rapid pace uh, so it's never dull. And what's especially fun about it is that whenever there does need to be bloodletting or the appearance of the monsters and whatnot, like even like I'm sure there's purists out there who you know scoff at the idea of CGI alligators and whatnot, but I th- I think it looks fine. Like yeah. none of it was distracting. There's no really ugly effects work in the movie, as far as I recall, except for maybe some of the exteriors of the house where it looks very much like a a set (laughs) with a with a green screen sheet in the background to simulate a storm um but beyond that it's it's mostly a very handsome movie uh barry pepper is fine in it um i i haven't been able to say that about him all the time but he's he's fine in it and uh the the kill sequences are very well put together i mean i was kind of sold during the trailer of that that one guy getting the the death roll like mm-hmm. just the the flip he does through the water is just choreographed beautifully it it reminds me of like a deep blue sea uh, it has kind of a similar sense of fun about it i guess although it's a much smaller scale like we're not dealing with rennie harlan money <laughs> um yeah and but from a character and narrative standpoint uh, i've said this before with you brad like the, the shallows seems like a a total parallel to it in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Yeah. They, they, they bear a very strong resemblance to one another in the way they're structured and the way they have these, like, again, like to use the word again, kind of like schmaltzy emotional beats that play very genuinely in the film. Only difference is like in Cinderella, man, it feels like you kind of want to roll your eyes at it. But in this one, you're just kind of, you just kind of want to clap at the movie and just be like, yeah, you go, Caius Coladario, you swim your heart out. <laughs> because, the, I don't know, the movie knows kind of what it is and where it needs to go, and, and you get wrapped up in it. And um, actually, I would love to watch that with my girlfriend. Like, mm-hmm. she she generally doesn't do horror movies, although I wouldn't call that a horror movie. It's more of a thriller. Like, like it's it's got bloodletting and stuff but she's fine with that she got a medical background she's seen shit yeah <laughs> i think she'd have fun with it just because of the character stuff and how how fast it moves like like it's it's hard to it's hard to be upset watching that film and, and in a lot of ways like you said it's like the did you say it was like the movie that saved 2019 or something yeah it's kind of like something like that it's like, that and unhinged, I feel like, are like a good one-two punch yeah, in terms of yeah. like saving saving cinema. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we need more they, movies in that zone. Uh now I want to rewatch both of them. Honestly, like they're they're both they just feel so easy to put on. Like there's so many movies I have that are so great that it feels like a chore mm-hmm. to take it off the shelf and put it in. Like it feels like. I gotta like buckle up. I gotta put on the seatbelt. Yeah. Address the seat and sit with that one. It's just like, just jam it in there. Turn it on. You'll have a good time. To watch crawl any day. I I probably could, and it would probably be fun. (laughs) So excellent pick, Brad. 
Uh, I have it as well, but I didn't. I actually didn't pull that off the shelf yeah. because I kind of assumed that you would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I knew you'd like that one, so. Well, thanks, man. Okay. I'll go with a movie that I don't actually have that much to say about, but that's fitting being as we're probably wrapping it up in a bit here. So uh, this is a collector's edition uh, Scream Factory, although... I would think this would be a strong candidate for just plain old Shout Factory because it's not really a horror movie. Uh, This is Jean-Claude Van Damme in Cyborg, Mm. um, which I believe the alternative title for this is Slinger, uh, if memory serves. Uh, Lovely cover art for this one uh, with the slipcase and whatnot. Uh, Let's see if they have... No, it's the same cover on the interior of the slipcover. Um... This one's a little bit of a bummer, actually. That's mostly why I pulled it off the shelf. Is uh, I'm a big fan of Van Damme. I quite like him. I've, I was raised on the Van Damme in a lot of ways, but um, I wouldn't characterize this as like one of the stronger movies from his filmography, although it came out at a very formative period in his career. Uh, I believe this was filmed around the same time uh, as Bloodsport, uh, although I think this may have come out after... Um, Bloodsport was notorious for... I think it came out the same year, actually. Um, but Bloodsport was known as like this movie that was shot a couple of years before it was released um, because the studio, Canon, didn't really know what the fuck to do with it. Um, and such that Van Damme apparently forced his way into the editing room and apparently claimed some degree of ownership over the final cut of the film. <laughs> um, I don't know how true that is, but that's the story. But um, This is also a Canon film. Uh, and he had a deal with the Canon Film Group uh, at the very, like, towards the beginning of his career. He was launched by Canon, essentially. He did other movies, but Bloodsport was kind of the one that really launched him. Cyborg, not so much, but it did come out the same year. Um, this is an Albert Pyun uh, production. Oh. Now, Brad, are you familiar with Albert Pyun? Uh, I don't think I've seen any of his films, but yes, I do know of Albert Pion. I know he did, um, what is it, Sword and the Sorcerer, uh, correct? Yes, yep. yes. Um, yeah, and he, he, I, I know of, he did a Vinegar Syndrome title, too. Um, yes, he would have done a Vinegar Syndrome title. I can't remember what, what it was called, but yeah, I, I, I've never seen any of his films, but I know who he is. Yeah, he's a, I don't know, there, I've noticed that there's like, there's like a lot of people on like Twitter and shit who love this guy. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm like, just, I don't see it guys. <laughs> like, like I know like there's a lot of like schlock directors out there that, you know, they have their fans and whatnot. And I, personally, it's like, I have limits where it's like, just because he makes schlock doesn't mean I have to like the guy. And personally, uh, for the most part, I, I just, haven't cared much for most of his films uh in particular the way he edits his films it kind of drives me nuts at times where it just it's shockingly incompetent from time to time um like case in point if if you watch uh some of those kickboxer direct-to-video sequels i think he did i don't know if he did all of them but he definitely did two probably three maybe four um, but if you look at the way that the fight scenes are edited in the second one in particular, it's just like the same kick repeated, like thrown into the edit like 30 different times. It's just like, guys, like, like I get it. He, he he kicked him. Like, I don't need to see the same fucking kick land 30 times. Like, show some degree of restraint. 
Um, I also have a movie of his called Blast, which I've mentioned before. Uh, it's a, I, I bought it because of the cast, because uh, Lyndon Ashby is the star of it, a.k.a. Johnny Cage from the Mortal Kombat movie from 95, and uh, Andrew Devoff as uh, the villain, a.k.a. the Wishmaster. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Johnny Cage versus Wishmaster? <laughs> it's like, this sounds like shit. Oh, yeah, and Rutger Hauer plays a wheelchair-bound Native American in it complete with uh red face yeah. or brown face yeah. it's it's horrendous it's like this is not okay <laughs> that's a very large dutch man playing a native american in a wheelchair no less um i have i have gone on record i think talking with you before that i do need to put that blu-ray into my computer and clip the last minute of it though because the finale is the stuff of miracles. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's truly amazing. Uh, Brad, uh, if I don't post it, uh, like, somewhere in the next few days or something, give me a poke, because the world needs to know the finale of Blast is worth their time. The rest of it, absolutely not. But the finale, absolutely, they, they need it. They don't know it, but they need it. Um, but yeah, Albert Pion, I don't, I don't care much for him personally. Although I do actually want to watch his uh, Captain America from 1990, just because that actually is one of those VHS cover arts that I remember seeing all the time as a kid, and I was always curious about it. I know it's not good, and I know it suffers from all the problems that seem to be common among Albert Pion's filmography, but I still kind of want to see it. <laughs> I can't put my finger on why exactly, but um, Cyborg, it, I, I don't think I care much for it as a Van Damme film. I want to say... Albert Pyun, like, I, I looked him up while I was talking just now. He's from Hawaii. I, I, if I had to guess, I, I think he has seen Fist of the North Star. And I haven't looked it up, but I wouldn't be surprised if he directed the American live-action version of Fist of the North Star. Because Cyborg feels a lot like Hokuto no Ken. And I want to say this was, like, him using the studio's money to basically make a secret Fist of the North Star movie. <laughs> because at times it feels like it. Yeah. Although not as spectacular. Because, Brad, are you familiar with Fist of the North Star at all? I think you've mentioned it to me. The name sounds familiar. Basically, it's about... it's Picture the aesthetic of the Road Warrior. Um, but Bruce Lee is the main character. But make him like a foot taller. So it's like Bruce Lee dressed up like Mad Max... And it's in the world of the Road Warrior, and he knows a martial art that if he touches you, you explode in like a cloud of gore and guts. And it's a it's about people trying to conquer the wasteland using martial arts that cause people to explode and or be sliced into pieces. It's right up your alley, Brad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's right up your alley. <laughs> um but yeah, this movie, uh, the reason I said I was disappointed, actually, in this package in particular is because it says Collector's Edition on the cover, and I was aware of this before I purchased it, but it just happened to be a Van Damme movie I didn't own from early in his career, so I grabbed it anyway. Um, if memory serves, there's like an alternative cut of Cyborg floating around out there that's objectively better Um but it's kind of similar to Cobra in that, as far as I understand, it's never seen the light of day. Um, it's probably just, it probably rotted on an editing bay back in the day. But I was curious if this was going to end up including that. As far as I understand, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, it, do it does have a whole host of special features, uh, similar to, I think, I think uh, Shout Factory also did Cobra 
And as soon as I saw that announcement of that Blu-ray, uh, I looked into it the same way I did with Cyborg. And unfortunately, no, uh, we don't get either of those cuts. But yeah, Cyborg's it's okay. It, it's not great. It has like one or two pretty decent action sequences for Van Damme, like it, you know, in his physical prime. Um, and beyond the like kind of pseudo Mad Max aesthetic, uh, I don't think of it as being an especially exceptional Van Damme movie, but it's a fun little artifact from like the earliest films of his career. So worth a look, but not a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, I, I remember when uh, the movie was announced on Blu-ray, um, people were real pissed about the lack of that cut. I mean, people yeah. were losing it. I mean, yeah. losing it. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I, I didn't specifically, when you showed that Blu-ray, I, I remembered people losing it. I didn't specifically remember why until you mentioned that, but. Oh, well, I'm glad I did then. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, never saw that one. Um, I'm not that big of a Van Dam head or a Pion head. Um, but yeah, Albert Pion, he, he does have his fans, even though like if he you does, just, if you scroll he his really IMDb does. all, I mean, not that this is a barometer of quality necessarily, but all the, uh, all the ratings on his films are just pretty terrible. Like just awful. Like, yeah, uh, I don't think he's an especially talented filmmaker. Yeah. I think I think his uh, indulgences are all the wrong ones. Uh, there are some filmmakers that have those that they happen to benefit the audience, but in his case, I, I think his instincts are poor. Um, however, uh, I'm not trying to shit on anybody. That's not how I do things. Like, I, But I will toss out there that I have not seen, I think, the films that he's most famous for. So he's he's played in a lot of other people's sandboxes. Like like I said, he's done like Van Damme movies. He's done Van Damme franchises that no longer have access to Van Damme in the form of Kickboxer two through four. Um, Nemesis. Um, I know MVD put out like the entire Nemesis series of films. Um, those are sci-fi films that apparently have like a fan base. And also eye-catching cover art that I most certainly do remember seeing at the video store, but I have never seen any of those. Uh, so maybe that maybe that's like a missing piece of the puzzle or something. Like maybe if you saw those, it would it would clear things up. Where it's like these are legitimately good. Yeah. And by the way, Cyborg does have like some sci-fi stuff in there. Like it has this really cool effect for like one shot in its early goings. Um, that it's kind of similar to the. Uh, um, Alicia Vikander in a Ex Machina, but from 1989, mm. and it, it it looks stunning, but it's like one shot of the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Nemesis is something I I'm not gonna blind buy that shit, but I'm, I am thinking maybe I should at least watch the first one just to see if maybe that's why people like the guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it'll get you to stop shitting on the guy. I mean, well, he's still alive. Let's 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 tone down the hate on this guy my gosh no i'm just i'm playing I'm, i mean if anybody's I, I know, ha- I, <laughs> anybody's a hater it's me i hate this guy he's trash <laughs> i've never yeah, seen any of his I, movies i do admire that about you brad you you are very, you are very vocal about your opinions about things I, I i tend to be pretty wishy-washy so um check out the cinema speak podcast if you want some fucking rage <laughs> <laughs> Listen, hey, it's great. 
making a movie is great. You you put it out there though. You're you listen, I'm gonna come at you. I'm like and so when you do get the approval, then you know you you know, you did it. You made it. Yeah. See, I I I should not have kids because I, I would spoil them rotten. Brad should have kids so he can be the hard ass oh, that I, guides them to success. Oh, they're gonna get it from me. We have expectations in yeah. this household. God damn it! Yeah, they're gonna be the best <laughs> no hugs. kids. No hugs ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that's about it for our picks uh, from our C's uh, this time around. But uh, as is customary, uh, we will wrap things up with something we like to call the speed round, uh, wherein we'll just. Uh, grab whatever runner-ups that we have laying around the house uh, and just rattle them off. Just give like a quick mini take on them. So these aren't going to be in-depth discussions, but we're just going to show off our wares on the form of our runner-up. So, uh, Brad, are you good to go, or would you like me to go first? Yeah, I can kick it off here. I've only got three other ones that I pulled off the shelf. Um, cool. I'll mention... Uh, well, let's do this one first. Uh, the only reason I didn't mention it really because I already met, I mentioned another Arrow video title, but I have Cruising with Al Pacino oh. um, directed by William Friedkin. The movie itself I wasn't that impressed with, but the story behind it, really interesting. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if you know this, if I've talked to you about it, but it's inspired by a serial killer who did have a small role in The Exorcist before it was known that he was a serial killer. So interesting production history in that this guy was a, killed people and he had an appearance in one of the most famous movies ever. And then the director of that movie <laughs> made a movie about a, a cop going undercover to catch a killer. So just interesting production history. The movie itself I was a little <laughs> underwhelmed by, but um, definitely worth watching at least once. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a movie that... Uh, probably only worth watching once i don't but i've weirdly seen it more than once and i own it um and that is compliance which is a uh movie very small scale drama it is inspired by a true story have i talked to you about this i don't think so i don't don't know that one well then let me just kind of explain it so it's based on um not a specific event but it's based on like a thing that was happening or happened several times in it um, follows a fast food restaurant manager played by Ann Dowd who receives a call from a man on the other end of the phone who says he is a police officer and that one of her employees um, stole something and he instructs her to keep her lock her in the back room search her eventually strip search her and essentially violate her and it just gets crazier and crazier, and the whole thing is that he is just a prank caller. He is not a police officer, and it just goes to show how accepting of, you know, people will just follow, blindly follow anybody who identifies as authority. And I guess the reason it's worth watching is that I kind of knew this was inspired by a true story, um, and I didn't realize, like, how everything essentially that happens in this movie is true like it gets to a point where you're like nobody would do this no like they're this is where they're exaggerating like this is just nobody and then it gets to the end of the movie and you you actually look it up and it's like that is exactly what happened that is insane it is absolutely insane um so very uncomfortable watch uh definitely 
not one to watch with the girlfriend probably um <laughs> but it is uh really well acted and i i do like the direction actually in it so it's it's um it's a tough one but it's 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 a good one sounds fascinating yeah um and then the only other one all-time classic chernobyl diaries gotta have it um <laughs> love myself some chernobyl diaries this movie actually um it's better than you would think it would be it's a found footage movie about um a group of teens who take a uh trip to chernobyl um they take one of those chernobyl tours i think one of the unsanctioned ones and i think it ends up being like mutated like people that attack them i think maybe it's ghosts i don't remember but i mean the best part of the movie honestly is the setup just them walking through chernobyl and i actually don't know if it was filmed there i assume it probably was I guess I should have looked that up, but I assume it was like in the safe, like, cause there's, you know, areas where people can go safely now. Um, and there are like official tours and then there's the unsanctioned tours. Um, but it is like a pretty compelling movie just in, with an interesting setting. Um, and you know, it's not incredible by any means, but it's, it's not a bad little horror film. So it's worth checking out. No, I gotta ask what uh what compelled you to pick that up? Did you know it by reputation, or was it a blind impulse buy? Or I, I watched it when it came out. It came out like at what I think around like 2012, maybe like when found footage, like the found footage craze. And I, yeah. I think I just watched it at home and rented it. And those Paranormal Activity days. Well, yeah, and it's actually uh the Paranormal Activity guy is a producer on it, so it has oh, his name okay. attached. Um, yeah. And I was kind of a little lukewarm on it um, when I first saw it, but then I watched the uh, HBO series Chernobyl, and I was kind of in a Chernobyl zone, and I was just like, I kind of want to revisit Chernobyl Diaries, and I was kind of pleasantly surprised on a rewatch. I was like, it's a, it was better than I remember, so, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. 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 Uh, Chernobyl's something I'd like to watch with the girlfriend, too, um, although that one I'm concerned, because, like... I feel like it would make her pull her hair out just the how frustrating everything is in that yeah that could that could happen could very well happen maybe start with chernobyl diaries um and see, <laughs> see how that goes <laughs> i don't know we should do a double feature of like okay so let's watch an episode of chuck and then put on compliance yeah <laughs> and see where this evening goes yeah that's, uh, yeah <laughs> shot and chaser i should probably be reversed actually but yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know these things. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I have not a whole lot, so but I have more than you, as usual. So I'll run through these. Um, I have here from RLJ, uh, Crystal Lake Memories. Uh, this would be a comprehensive documentary of uh, the Friday the 13th uh, slasher film franchise. I actually put this on when we covered uh, Jason Goes to Hell not too long ago, just because I was curious for a refresher on that film excellent documentary i think never sleeps again is better um but i don't actually have that one on hand and it doesn't begin with a c uh, i lent that one to a friend and i have yet to get it back it's pissing me off uh i have here a uh, korean release from uh, kd media and this is a very handsome package so i may as well just show it off uh, this is a company man it comes in a slip case with a uh, clear case and that's the uh, poster art, and then on the inside, just have our art there. It's a very handsome nice, package. Yeah, very nice. This is a, a fun, semi-satirical, like, 
action drama where basically it's a collective of hit hitmen who the way their organization is structured is like a white collar office uh, in Korea. So it's very hierarchical and uh, very orderly. Um, it has a, a very wry sense of humor about it that really worked for me. And the action scenes are pretty fun. There's some good there's some good slapping in that movie. Love a good Korean slap. They love slapping. That's, <laughs> that's how you get that respect, Brad. You got to get a slap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have a, a title that I probably I probably should have brought up on the episode proper, uh, being as we talked about Vinegar Syndrome. But of course, I have Champagne and Bullets, uh, which I know Brad also is a proud owner of. Uh, this is a lovely package from Vinegar Syndrome with the case and whatnot. This is also known by the titles of Get Even or Get Even, if you've seen Red Letter Media, and uh, Road to Revenge, I think. Um I watched, there are three different cuts of this film included on this disc. I have only watched the Champagne and Bullets cut, which as far as I know is the most recent re-edit of the film. Um, But I'm curious because uh, the episode of Red Letter Media, um, when they covered this film, they they talked about Get Even or Get Even. And there are scenes in that that are not in the Champagne and Bullets cut, which is basically a softcore porn movie and not a very good one. And I did not enjoy my experience with that. It did not look as much fun as what I saw on the YouTubes. Mm. So I kind of want to go back and and watch the other cuts of the film. But knowing that that it could end up going into that territory again, I'm like, I don't know, man. Tough ask. I want to see him wearing the red karate gi punching poorly like he punches like steven seagal it's wonderful <laughs> what uh what number are you uh are we looking at on your vsa there if it's not too personal uh, 1400 oh you can't see it uh it's 1422 so 1422 nice nice uh i have a bootleg dvd of a uh, crying fist which is a film that we did cover uh, instead of Cinderella Man uh, during our sports movie month. Uh, because, like I said, the schmaltz factor of Cinderella Man, I could not see Kyle being able to stomach that. But um, this is a Ryu Sung Won film, uh, who's basically my favorite uh, Korean filmmaker. Uh, this is a really awesome boxing movie that has a really awesome hook to it, where it's uh, two narratives that collide literally in the form of a boxing match at the finale. So it's two very distinct narratives between two equally compelling characters who the last the last section of the film is your your boys like your two babies hitting each other and you you as the viewer are like but I love them both <laughs> and one of them has to lose and I'm not okay with this um the boxing action in it is spectacular there's a there's a one cut sequence that uh, truly shows the fatigue and the violence that goes into just three minutes of people hitting each other, like in a very raw fashion that feels largely unchoreographed and very, very genuine. That's it's not something you see in film very often. It helps that we have some truly amazing actors involved in this one. Um, really spectacular film. I, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I have cross on dvd which was uh, a purchase from scarecrow video out here in seattle i bought this movie and i brought it up before on the show but i bought this movie uh because my friends and i were looking for the worst cover art we could find in the bargain bin so this was a two dollar purchase um and this uh includes 
the the likes of Michael Clark Duncan and Vinnie Jones who are cover who are pictured on the cover. Um, but Jake Busey's in here as well. Um, as is uh, what's his face? Uh, Joey uh, Johnny Lawrence from the Karate Kid films. Mm. Uh, Billy Zabka is in there as well, as far as I recall. Um, truly bizarre, truly awful wannabe superhero movie, complete with uh, Ang Lee Hulk style like comic book panels. And the the biggest the biggest sin a, a low rent action film can commit, Brad. And I, I I don't know how true this is, but in my mind, it, it's like one of the biggest, most egregious flaws one of these types of movies can can display proudly is a freeze frame title card introductions for characters. Yeah. That's how you know you're dealing with next level mega crap. That is a red flag for sure. <laughs> I mean, some some people can get away with it. Cross cannot. Um, I brought this up probably every month uh, on Tales from the Shelf, but uh, the uh, City of Violence, uh, also a Ryu Sang Wan film. Uh, I also have the Dragon Dynasty uh, domestic DVD version of it because this is actually a. A Region 3 DVD that I no longer have the means of playing, so I actually found this at a used media store. Uh, so now I can watch one of my favorite Korean movies again. It's been a long time. It's nice. wonderful. Yeah. Love it. And the last one I have to plug because I know the guy who made it, uh, Coup de Cinema. Uh, this would be the uh, feature film uh, debut, I think, of uh, my friend, Sean Parker, and uh, his best buddy, uh, Austin Hillebrecht. Uh, this is from 2014. Holy fucking shit. Uh, I'm in a few seconds of this. Um, but this is a uh, comedic uh, heist film, like mo- like movie within a movie type experience. Uh, I think it's quite good. I, I twisted his arm into getting me a Blu-ray of it. I'm a proud owner. I, I love watching this movie every once in a while. And knowing that my friend made it, uh, this is a Hapstance Films production, and I... I should do my duty as a friend to Sean Parker and say that uh, Hapstance Films is doing some very exciting work as we speak. Uh, if you hop over to like their Instagram page right now, uh, they have a really awesome uh, like detective, like a it's like a puppet theater detective show that um, they're doing digital sets, hmm. um, very similar to the technology used uh, in the volume for the Mandalorian. Um, so basically, they're they're shooting live live puppets being puppeteered in front of a camera but the environments are actually like 3d cgi creations that are are virtual elements that the camera can move in sync with it's really astounding stuff if you just hop over to their instagram they've posted tons of clips it's really compelling really interesting technology that i'm on board with uh it's not quite out yet but uh hype trains are rolling <laughs> nice yeah um, but yeah uh that's all i got for c's uh, so I guess that's about it for today. But uh, thank you, Brad, for joining me. I, I don't know why, but it does feel like it's been a long time since I talked with you. Maybe it's because uh, we are all really fucking busy the past couple months. And yeah, yeah, we have been busy. Has not been kind. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, thanks um, for having me back. Oh yeah, no, this is this is always wonderful. It's really nice to to have somebody to share some war stories with about the the world of movie collecting and whatnot. But uh, before we go, Brad, uh, would you care to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your very awesome podcast? Yeah, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. So we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on Twitter at the Cinema Speak, on Instagram as Cinema Speak Podcast, on YouTube as Cinema Speak, and you can find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com.
All right. Thanks for that. And uh, very much looking forward to new YouTube content, like whatever it may be. Like, I don't know eventually. if you have anything in the pipe, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm going to hold you that Vinegar Syndrome uh, unboxing. Oh, that sounds that'll like it's going to be fun. That'll happen. I mean, if you've had to wait so long. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to make something of yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a chance every movie you get could totally fucking suck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'll be preserved wonderfully, like beautifully, <laughs> but the actual quality of the films. Come on. It's worth it for the video. Film. Worth it for the video. There you go. Do it for the content. Uh, <laughs> but that being said, uh, folks at home, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. That being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>